videos could skip, but apparently they can, because uh, the end of that just skipped to the end. Weird. I felt like I was playing uh, an old 50s record. But anyway, I chose this song, uh, Information Society's I Want to Know. Actually, I'm not sure if it's called I Want to Know or Pure Energy, but the, the pure energy at the beginning was actually Spock's voice. You know, Spock from Star Trek, I'm talking about. And in 1988, when the song came out, a young 16-year-old kid watched his favorite baseball team win the World Series. That was the Los Angeles Dodgers. And since then, they have not even been to the World Series. But now that same 16-year-old boy, who's now 41, might get to see it happen. They're one step closer. The Dodgers moving to the NLCS last night to take on either the Cardinals or the Pirates. And I was at that game last night. So that's why I played it, because it was an 88 song, and I was in an 88 mood. So welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. Last week we had China Maniac on as my friend. Before that, I had no friends for weeks, where there was no co-host. And uh, this week it looks like we're going to probably have a co-host again. But you have to wait about five minutes to find out who it is. If you want to communicate with me, there's a few ways to do so. You can do it in the chat room. You just need an account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum. You can go into the chat room, you know, click the big chat button near the top of the screen, and I will try to follow the chat room as much as I can. I may miss some comments, but since I'll probably have a co-host, it'll be easier to read the chat room. So you can go into the chat room and talk to me there, or you can call the show. We have two different phone numbers, as always. There's the main phone number, which is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355, or you can call the Mount Charleston line, which is an old 70s telephone, old rotary phone sitting on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain that hangs over Las Vegas. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line, 702-430-1808. Both phone numbers have to be called with you showing your caller ID, otherwise you will not get through. You will get a busy signal. 
Here's some comments in the chat room that I'm reading as I start the show. This is from Dizzle49. I don't even know who that is. But uh, he says, Just when I think Druff's taste in music couldn't be worse, couldn't be shittier, he proves me wrong. <laughs> he was not a fan of Information Society, apparently. Uh, your voice is over-modulated, according to Painless One. That's not good. It's actually very important to me that the show sounds good. And when I say sounds good, I don't mean that the content's good. I mean that at least the sound quality is good. I don't like when there's echoes. I don't like when it's too loud or too soft. It really bothers me when I hear that the show has sound problems. And in fact, the fidelity on the show used to not be very good when it first started, and that bothered me so much that I looked into why that was, and then we increased the bit rate of the broadcast so the fidelity would be better. Here's another comment in the chat room from Hockey Guy. Fuck you, Druff. Always nice to read. He tells me that every week. So, fuck you too, hockey guy. Those are some select comments from the chat room at PokerFraudAlert.com. And uh, here's an update from the chat room. I guess when it rains, it pours, because Mark Newhouse, who will soon be at the final table of the World Series of Poker main event to win about $9 million dollars, He's already going deep now in a different event at the European Poker Tour. So, Mark Newhouse, who was very much in debt for many, many years after running his bankroll over $2 million, lost it all, was in debt, was just in bad shape, and here he is not only going to the World Series of Poker main event final table, but also going deep at an EPT event. So, good luck to him. I like Mark Newhouse. I always have liked him. And uh, one of the nice guys in poker who in some ways was too nice and let himself get taken advantage of. Hopefully that does not happen this time. So, uh, let's see if we have our co-host ready at this point. No, he's not ready. Co-host says, uh, have to tie up a few knots first. So I guess he has to tie his shoes, and then he will let me know when he's ready doing so. Let me tell you about our free roll tonight. Last week, we came into a free roll with nothing. Absolutely nothing. I came in empty-handed, with empty pockets, no money to give out anyone. By the time the free roll went off, we had $225 to give away, including $100 as a bounty on Eric Ryland. Well, this week we don't have $225, but again, the generosity is shining through. Bellybuster, who's already generous to run the No Fraud Online Poker Room where the free roll takes place, also donated $50 for this week. Bubbles gave another 8 and C-Money, who has donated so much to these free rolls over time, has thrown $50 in, but for a bounty on himself, just like Ryland did last week. So $108 prize pool. This takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that at the top of the screen. You need a separate account for the Poker Room, but it's totally free. You don't even need play chips to enter the free roll. Just register an account, and you can immediately go in and play. You have to make sure that you're in the free roll by 7.40 Pacific Time, which is when it starts. It's No Limit Hold'em, because after that, it is closed. There is no late registration. Unlike this show, which is always late, the free roll is never late. And to qualify for the free money, you need either a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert Forum dated January 1st, 2013 or before, 
or you need to email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me you have been around for at least a few weeks listening to the show, reading the forum. Tell me things that you have read here that you've heard, and don't just copy the things in the description. I want to hear something more specific so I can believe that you are really someone who listens to the show regularly if I don't know who you are. If you're an old-school person from other forums where I know you, then no problem. But uh, I just want to make sure we're not having people show up here for the free money because Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money than any poker podcast in the world in its poker tournaments. You won't find any poker tournaments connected to a podcast anywhere that has given away this much free money. And it happens every week here, usually $50 or more. This week, 108 In fact, the last two weeks combined... $333 given away. So that's very, very impressive. And all of this comes from the community, the users, not me. And that's even more impressive. Because any rich Jew can give away money, though most of them don't. But any rich Jew can do that. But for his community to do it, to give it to each other, that's something special. And uh, people in the chat room are already discussing strategy as to how to win the bounty against Sea uh, Money. So, that's what's going on tonight with the free roll, and very happy to have uh, that much generosity going on to make $108. Let me tell you about the agenda tonight. We have a number of things we're going to talk about, and I'm, again, always happy to have a co-host here to talk about these subjects, because some of these are better subjects to be discussed between two people. You know, when it's like a rant about something, I can do that myself, but... uh, You know, when it's something like a, a topic to debate or something, I like having a second person. Here's the agenda for tonight. I'm going to announce two things that have been added to Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, two things I think you guys should know about. I'll tell you about that shortly. New Jersey has published regulations for upcoming online gaming. And you're probably saying, oh boy, I better grab a pillow. I don't want to hear about gaming regulations. That's one of the most boring topics ever. Well, that's what I thought, too. When I first read about this, before actually reading the regulations themselves, I said, oh, boy, I I feel I have to know this to do a poker podcast like this, but I just felt like it was something I didn't really feel like reading. But it was actually a lot more interesting than I thought it would be, and there's some very unusual and unexpected things that are parts of those regulations, and we will talk about that. Lock Poker, remember last week they hit what I said was rock bottom of 15 cents on the dollar. That means you would have you could go on 2 plus 2 if you wanted money on Lock Poker and you could buy money at 15 cents on the dollar. For example, let's say you showed up with $150,000 on Lock or you $150,000 cash and you wanted Lock money for 150,000 cash. You would get one million dollars of lock money. You would get one million dollars for one hundred fifty thousand, or dealing with more realistic sums, you would get fifteen dollars for a hundred dollars. This is if you're selling. One hundred fifty dollars for a thousand, fifteen hundred for ten thousand. You get the picture. And people were selling thousands of dollars on there at 15 cents on the dollar, which is amazing for a site that is still running. I mean, when UB went down, when UB went down after Black Friday, it was selling for around that. This was a site that wasn't even up anymore. 
and in fact never went back up. It was selling for around 15 cents in the dollar. Here we have lock that's up and functional, and it's selling for 15 cents in the dollar, and believe it or not, like I said last week, it's actually a bad deal for the buyer to buy lock money at that price. The seller is actually getting over on you to dump his money at 15 cents on the dollar. I would not recommend buying lock money at 15 cents on the dollar. And I thought it hit rock bottom. I didn't think it could get any worse. But guess what? It has. It has gotten even lower than 15 cents on the dollar. And I'm just wondering when it's going to get to one cent on the dollar. Truthfully, if someone asked me to buy it at one cent on the dollar, I might actually say no. Because I'm starting to think the chance of people getting paid back is now about zero. Especially if they're in the U.S. Let me put my co-host on before I give you the rest of the agenda. Where is he? Where is he? Ah, here we are. Here we are. So I would like to welcome our host, someone who has been with us many, many times, someone who has been on this show often, someone that everyone likes, Team MLK, welcome. No, no, no. It's, it's a Shiny Maniac. How, welcome. How's it going tonight? <laughs> that, was a, that was a good invitation. <laughs> What's happening? So, um, happy to have you back. You were here last week, and uh, so I already gave two of the topics we're going to be discussing, the uh, New Jersey regulations that have been released about their online gambling sites that will include poker in November, and uh, lock poker falling even lower than 15 cents on the dollar. Uh, some other topics, and this one I'd really like to discuss with you. I was really hoping you'd be on the show tonight so I could discuss this with you. That is the question of, is is online poker harder now than it ever has been and it ever will be? So it's kind of a two-part question. Is online poker the hardest right now than it ever has been before? And is it going to get easier from this point? Are we at a peak of difficulty in online poker we will discuss that with each other, and uh, this is just an opinion thing. You know, there's no verifiable Good answer. Good topic. I like that. Yeah. So uh, then I want to talk about something personal. I went to the Dodgers game last night. Most of you are aware that the Dodgers beat the Braves last night and are moving on to the National League Championship Series for the first time in four years. It's actually their first playoff series in four years as well. And uh, this is the best team they've had in quite some time. And I was actually at that game. I'll tell you about some of my experiences there. Won't go on about that too long, but uh, just felt like I want to talk about it because it's the next day. Last week, we tried to figure out what this AG400 was, the Ivy Room at the Aria, the High Limit Room at the Aria. It used to just say the Ivy Room on it. Then it says the Ivy Room AG400. Two different signs. One sign says the Ivy Room. One sign says AG400. We almost tricked one of the lower-level employees there into telling us what AG400 means. So we were told that AG are the initials of a frequent high-limit player in that room, and the 400 is in reference to the 400k buy-in to the games that Phil Ivey plays there. And we were trying to figure out who this AG would be, or if it's even not a known person and just some random guy. Well... I think actually they said that the uh, the 400k buy-in is just when whoever AG is is in the room. Okay, okay. So it could be that, but I got a different story from someone else, and I will put that person on to tell us what he heard, and we'll discuss which one we think is the right 400. The the AG 
everyone agrees is the initials, but the 400, uh, we will hear a, an alternate viewpoint as to what that is. Not just a guess, but from someone else was told at, uh, at the ARIA room. Online poker movie Runner Runner, of which I will be part of the DVD, not the movie itself, but the DVD, I'll be part of an extra feature on there. It has opened, and it has opened to terrible reviews. I will read some of the reviews of Runner Runner. I will even read some reviews that uh, came from Poker Fraud Alert users. Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it yet. I just read that um, it really did bad in the box office. It was like seven point seven million or something. Yeah, it, it did decently abroad, so I, I don't think it's going to lose money. But it, it definitely has been a disappointment so far. Uh, so we have a poker politician. We have someone in poker, a known name in poker who is going to be running for a major office in politics. And uh, so, believe it or not, uh, Men the Master Wen is going to be running for President of the United States. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, the uh, person who will be running for office will be Tony G, and he will be running for uh, European Parliament. Tony G, the owner of Poker News, and once the owner of the radio show that I did for quite some time. So we will talk about that. And if for some reason we're still on at 10 o'clock, which will be harder this time since we started almost on time, uh, we will try the call to the Barcelona Arts Hotel. One of these times we're going to have a long show, and we'll call the Barcelona Arts, but uh, I'll be honest with you people. Just before we got this show started, I got the bad news that my son Benjamin has a high fever of 103.4. And um, I, I probably don't want to do the show that long tonight for that reason, even though his mother's watching him. You know, and she'll do a fine job with that. You know, I, I think maybe he'll be happier to have both parents there with him when he's feeling this way. So, uh, Though I will tell you people, I don't know if you realize this, children actually get high fevers much more commonly than adults. If you're an adult and you have a fever of 103 plus, that's usually pretty bad. And if you have like 104, 105, that's horrible. If you're a kid, you can really go all the way up to like 105 and everything's fine. And why do kids get, I mean, do they? why do they get so much sicker? Is their immune system's just not built up enough or? It's just the way the body reacts to it. I'm not sure why it uh, goes, the, the temperatures get higher. You know, the temperatures rise so the body can fight uh, disease. So it's not always bad when you have a fever. It's, it's bad in that you're sick in some way and your body is changing itself to fight it. But uh, the fever itself is not necessarily bad. However, it can be bad. If it gets as high as 106, it can start to cause brain damage. Which That's the number you have to watch out for, is 106 and especially 107. Um, that's so that's why when you see 105, you can get alarmed because then you, you want to bring it down so it doesn't keep going up and, and cause brain damage. Uh, I've never gotten up to 105 before, but Benjamin actually did. Benjamin actually reached 105 one time, and I got uh, very concerned, but it turned out uh, turned out it was a pretty harmless thing he had caught, a childhood illness that uh, is scary but doesn't actually do any harm. Right. So... Anyway, uh, that's the agenda for tonight, and again, if you want to get a hold of us, you can call the phone number, 775-FRAUD-55, or 702-430-1808. Someone asking in the chat room 
where you can also get a hold of me, of course. What is the latest on Scott Bell's movie that's referring to the movie Ultimate Beat, which is a documentary about the Ultimate Bet scandal? Uh, I don't know what the status is. It's ongoing. It, it just seems like more keeps getting uncovered, and Scott Bell wants it to be complete and not outdated when it gets released. So reminds, that, that whole Scott Bell Ultimate Bet thing, it reminds me of... Um, Guns N' Roses album that Axl Rose was supposed to put out, and it took like 20 years to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe we'll see it in the year 2030. I don't know. But, right. uh, you know, I, I was a small part of that. They uh, filmed an interview for of me, and basically anybody who asks me, do you want to do an interview about the UB scandal, I do it. And it's, it's not because I want everyone to see me on TV or in movies or documentaries. It's I just feel like I want the message to get out there, and I'm very familiar with the story. I'm very familiar with telling the story in a uh, public setting. So I, I figure, you know, why not me? I, I was a victim of it. I was very big in the activism against it. So, sure, anyone wants me to, I'll do it. And, you know, I never asked for money to do it. I, I just want the word to get out as much as possible about everything. Even though the site's down, I want the people who were involved to be known and not not just Russ Hamilton. So, anyway, uh, let's move on to the first topic here. It's actually a, a brief topic. There's two things I want to announce for Poker Fraud Alert. Uh, some of you might remember we had a Heads Up tournament last year, and people enjoyed that. I think it was actually organized by a scammer, but nobody got scammed. The guy scammed people later. But this time it's being organized by a non-scammer. Uh, it's someone I actually met at the World Series. Uh, someone who's been a good user here for a while, and uh, started it up again, it is the Poker Fraud Alert Heads Up Tournament. And it's being run by a guy known as Sandwich. It's a double elimination Heads Up Tournament. So these are the details. You can still join. $20 to enter, so very cheap to enter. You don't need to be a baller to enter this thing. It's just for fun. Uh, you need to escrow the money to me and you can do that by going on PayPal and sending $20 to dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. So go on PayPal and send $20 to dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Uh, that's the buy-in. It has to go to me. If you don't have $20 to me by the end of the day on October 13th, then uh, you're not going to be in this. Uh, and then once the player pool has been established by that, then there will be double el elimination brackets that will be created, and uh, the games will be played on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, and Belly Buster will help administer that, and uh, they'll move through the whole thing, and eventually there will be only one person left. So the top four spots in this will be paid. The one who wins the whole thing, this is again a uh, heads-up, no-limit tournament. Top four spots will be paid. 50% of whatever the prize pool is will go to first place. 25% of the prize pool will go to second. And third and fourth will each get 12.5%. And uh, that's the Poker Fraud Alert Double Elimination Heads Up Tournament. You can uh, read about it if you go to the thread entitled PFA Double Elimination Heads Up No Limit Hold'em Tournament 2013. In the Flying Stupidity Forum, you still have five days to join it, and um, you know there's no rake of it or anything. You know, just whatever money goes into this, that's what goes back out in the prize pool, of course. 
Do you know I, how often the matches are going to be played? Is this all going to be played in one day, or they haven't figured that out yet? They're they're going to come up with something depending on how many people join it. Okay. And uh, it won't be for big money, obviously, for twenty dollars each, but uh, just just a fun thing to challenge other members in a heads up tournament. Doesn't help the site at all, you know, financially. You know, we're making no money from this, of course, and it's just uh, I'm just holding the money because people know I won't run off with it. So that's uh, that's going on. Then second, I want to announce something else. Uh, in, on the forum, I created a new forum entitled Druff's Sorta Secret Forum. And the reason I call it the Sorta Secret Forum is that the password for the forum is right there on the forum list. And I'll give it to you right now. The password is, all lowercase, secret location. One word. Secret location. No spaces, no capitalization. Secret location is the password to the Druff, the Dandruff's Sorta Secret Forum. Now, why did I create a forum with a password where I give out the password to everyone? That sounds stupid. Well, the reason I'm doing it is because I found that sometimes I want to post something on this site, and yet I'm afraid to post it because I don't want Google picking it up, and I don't want people Googling that subject and finding it. So I realized that uh, when I want to post things that I want people on this site to read, but I don't necessarily want outsiders from Google to find through search, then I'll post it there. Because when there's a password, uh, Google will not figure out that this is the password. Even though I'm telling you guys what the password is, even though the password is listed there, Google is not smart enough to go in there with the password. So it won't show up in search engines. And this way... This is just a thing for people from Poker Fraud Alert to read. So here's an example. Um, and I'll talk about this a little bit later. I found a secret route to Dodger Stadium from the direction I go. So once I get close to the stadium, instead of getting stuck in literally an hour or more of stadium traffic in like the last mile, I found a way to breeze right in there. Nice. Uh, so I, I wanted other people who go to Dodgers games, including ones thinking of going to the playoff games coming up, to have this information, but I didn't want it posted and then Googled and then found by enough people and then having something changed by either the Dodgers or the neighborhood to prevent this. Because basically right. you're like driving on surface streets and I'm sure the uh, people who live there wouldn't be thrilled if there's a huge caravan of cars through their residential neighborhoods. So this is something that, you know, if the, the member base of Poker Fraud Alert reads, it's fine. I just wouldn't want the masses to read it through a Google search. So that's the type of thing I'm going to post there, but not just the Dodger stuff. I'm going to post anything there that I just don't want being found through Google, but I would like everyone here to read. So that's what, it's called the Dandruff's Sorta Secret Forum. You can find it in the main forums list, and I, and I will be posting there every so often. It won't be a super active forum, but uh, you know, check it every so often to see what I post up there. And um, you know, I may be posting some, some things that are of interest to you, things that you know, little tips that help you out that I just don't want everyone knowing, but I am happy with my user base knowing. Do you have to be you have to be logged in to see it, right? You know, I haven't tried that. I haven't tried to enter the password without being logged in. It's a passworded form. So yeah, I'd guess probably, but I'm not 100%. Yeah, maybe sure. not. So just the password is secret location all lowercase. And that refers to the secret locations where I always broadcast this show from. One of many many secret locations. So those are the two quick announcements, but now let's get to the topics. Um, let me get to uh, our agenda, which I always lose, and this, this is no exception. I lost the agenda yet again. So here's the rest of... Well, let, 
here's not the rest of it. I gave the agenda. First topic: the New Jersey regulations for online gaming have been published. Uh, these are the official regulations that are going to have to be followed by all of the poker rooms that provide legal online poker in the state of New Jersey, starting on November 23rd when all of the rooms are able to uh, start offering these legal online poker games. Just like Nevada, you don't have to be a New Jersey resident to play them, but you have to be physically standing in the state of New Jersey to do so. And these games are governed by the New Jersey Gaming Commission rather than the Nevada Gaming Commission that govern the Nevada games, of course. So, these were released, and I, I thought at first this was to be boring stuff, but it's actually not. Uh, a guy on 2 Plus 2 went through the long regulations, which were you know released and published online in PDF format. A guy named Spewy Griffin. And uh, he's a pretty good poster over there on 2 Plus 2. I, I usually like the stuff he posts. He went through it. Uh, I think he's a big heads-up limit player. Too. Oh, is he? Okay, yeah, that yeah. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. So he went through it and uh, went through the important parts there, which made it easier for me to read the important parts myself. And uh, we're going to discuss these things here. So I'll go through them one by one, and you know, of course, I'll get your reaction too about some of these. Some of these are obvious, and some of them I think are pretty obnoxious. So, first of all, there's going to be daily dollar limits for patron funding of internet or mobile gaming accounts. Basically, it's saying you, there's going to be some kind of limits on what you can deposit so you can't just shoot off huge. It doesn't say what these limits will be, but there will be some kind of limits. I don't know if Nevada has that. Uh, for example, I found that on Ultimate Poker, if you have a Citibank debit card, you can just make, like, what seeming what seems to be unlimited deposits on your Citibank debit card there, provided you have the money in your in your account. So I've deposited thousands there, and I never hit my limit. So I I don't know maybe there is a limit, but uh, New Jersey definitely is going to have one. It's not clear what it will be, but it says there will be daily dollar limits for patron funding of internet or mobile gaming accounts. What, I have a question. Um, with Nevada, can you walk up to a cage and hand them cash? Yes. Okay. I don't think in New the, Jersey you can. The one, that's the one thing. Oh, you can't in New Jersey? Um, I'm not sure if you can or can't. I was hearing some rumor you can't. Yeah, that's why I was wondering, because if they had a limit, what if you just walked up to the cage and you were like, well, here's 20K or whatever, you know? Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I got confused. It's, it's WSOP.com you can't right now. I don't know about New Jersey. Okay. So, uh, by the way, someone just asked re- regarding the Heads Up Tournament. They just asked, if I get any side bets for the Heads Up Tournament, will you let us post up with you? Meaning, let's say you're playing some guy Heads Up in the tournament, and you're like, you know what, forget the first through fourth prize. I want to bet you directly I'm going to win. Just me and you. And provided the other guy agrees, am I willing to take escrow? And the answer is yes. If both people send me escrow, I will escrow whatever you both agree to. And that will be the bet between the two of you. And uh, um, you know the way this is going to work is whatever is sent to me, the lesser amount that's sent to me will be the bet. And uh, make sure it's it's documented somewhere if the person rolls you, because you know, if someone says I'm betting a hundred dollars and only sends forty, and then you send a hundred, the bet's only going to be for forty. 
So uh, make sure it's up there. And if you know if someone rolls you in this way, I'll take some action. But uh, we, you know, we have uh, good people here for the most part. For the most part. So I don't see that happening. But um, let's see. Um, it, seriously Serious is saying in chat, I think you misunderstood one of the regulations. This is the one. This may just mean that the option must be available to players. Like a self-imposed limit, it doesn't have to be a limit by the casino. That's possible. Maybe I did misunderstand that one. Uh, going on here, reports are required. So these are the reports that the system has to generate for the gaming commission. The, when I say the system, I mean whatever whatever uh, site you're playing on has to generate the following. A patron account detail report... Patron, of course, is referring to players. That's what they mean by patron. A patron account summary report, a wagering detail report, a wagering summary report, a variance report, which I think is funny. What is a variance report? Mm. <laughs> is that saying, like, well, this guy ran really well this week. Uh, this person ran really poorly. Or, like, you know, I, I think maybe a variance report would be just, like, average variance of the players. I think that's what if, I don't think it's going to be an individual variance report. I think it's going to be, like, an average variance report. Uh, a dormant account report, which I will discuss a little bit later. A performance report. I don't know what kind of performance. And a patron account adjustments report. That is, if they add or subtract anything from your balance. Which, of course, makes sense. So they, they want to know everything. They want reports on everything, so if there's ever any question, they can refer to these reports. These government agencies are very bureaucratic. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a short example. I don't think I've ever told anyone this before, but Nevada was originally demanding that the online poker sites in Nevada log every single keystroke and then give them a printout of the location of every single keystroke and mouse click. That's ridiculous. And only when someone gave them a demonstration of how much paper that would be that like pretty much every week they would need another warehouse to hold all the paper. <laughs> Did the Nevada Gaming Commission say, oh, okay, okay, fine, we're we're going to drop that requirement. So, but they still have some some kind of ridiculous reporting requirement, except they're letting you do it uh, via electronically, not not by paper. But uh, it just shows you how bureaucratic these uh, processes are, and a lot of times pointlessly. Uh, okay, then here's another interesting thing from the. Nevada, uh, the New Jersey gaming uh, regulations that were just released. Uh, there's a list of different uh, licenses that are required for being involved in the industry. So one of th- one of the things that was listed, that you need a license, is to provide the software. So uh, thirteen colon sixty nine J dash one point two. That's the code for this. Uh, what I'm about to read. Gaming-related casino service industry ed- enterprise licensing requirements. And then there's a few of them I won't bother to read. Companies providing internet gaming software or systems, vendors who manage, control, or administer games and associated wagers conducted through the internet, and providers of customer lists of persons who have placed such wagers through the internet. What they're trying to say here is, if you provide the software, you need a license. But... It does not say that you need to have an existing casino. So if you remember, PokerStars was trying to find ways to buy in to have their own site in New Jersey. They may just choose to say, screw it, 
and just provide the software because they don't have to own anything to provide the software. They just need to get a license to provide the software, and it's a lot uh, less stringent to get a license to provide this software there than it is to get a license to run an entire online uh, gaming room there. Right. So you could just set an office up and run it out of there. Probably be pretty cheap too. Yeah. So they so they could just you know find some casino there and say, okay, we're not going to own this, but you're just, we're just going to manage it for you. We're going to provide the software, and you're just going to give us you know whatever fee for it or whatever percentage of what you make, and that'll be fine with New Jersey. Provided PokerStars can get licensed, I'm not saying PokerStars is going to do that, but that's definitely an option open to them, and probably an easier one, a much easier one than trying to uh, find uh, casinos to buy and, and and all that. So, they you know they may go that direction. Uh, it was suggested in the chat room by Seriously Serious. Perhaps the variance report is to find anomalies or irregularities in the random number generator. You know that's that's a good thought, but this is the government we're talking about. I I can't see the New Jersey government figuring out that the RNG isn't perfect for these sites. And they maybe they want to check people's win rates too. Like if somebody's winning at like an insane win rate, like the cheaters on UB were, then you know maybe they'll launch an investigation into it. Yeah, you know I want to I mean? hope that. That's what I was thinking when I read it. But you know, serious serious brings up a good point too. Maybe. Uh, Maybe it's for that too, the random number generator. Maybe they just want to make sure that no one is just killing it there more than they should. They want to see a variance report with, uh, you know, kind of, kind of yeah. like what uh, was shown on that 60 minute special about the UB cheating, about the that little graph of the of uh, how likely it was for people to have won given their play style. Right. So, so uh, there's going to be an internet gaming manager of each online casino. says, a casino licensee offering internet wagering shall have an internet gaming manager responsible for the operation and integrity of internet gaming and reviewing all reports of suspicious behavior. So, there's going to be some guy who's going to be required to have a job for each room who's the manager of the site. Which I think they'd probably be doing anyway, but this is actually now required by law. You have to have just they have to have someone that gets named to the gaming commission as the manager of each room. Um, I, I would actually love to have a job like that, but uh, wouldn't work for me because I'm not moving to New Jersey. Uh, here's another one regarding collusion. Uh, so yeah, stocks traders should listen to this one, especially because he lives kind of close to New Jersey. The internet and mobile gaming managers shall immediately notify the division, that's referring to the uh, the gaming division, upon detecting any person participating in internet or mobile wagering who is, and then there's some other things listed, there's some things listed, but here's one you should especially take heed of, engaging in or attempting to engage in or who is reasonably suspected of cheating, theft, embezzlement, collusion, money laundering, or any other illegal activities, including those activities prohibited in Article 9 of the Act. I'm wondering if money laundering is going to become a factor on these things. Uh, if if you know, people who want to get money from one, you know, one to the other uh, over some kind of illegal transaction just uh, dump it to each other. Right. And then and then say, okay, it's online poker winnings. Instead of uh you know, instead of I'm paying you two hundred thousand dollars for this drug deal, I'm I'm losing two hundred thousand to you heads up on uh online poker. Right. Like And that's one thing that's gonna be kind of weird because I could just see now like 
you know, you have, let's say there's 15 poker licenses. That means you need 15 experienced managers. And so, like, detecting, that know how to detect collusion. And, I mean, a lot of these people don't have the background, probably won't have the proper background to figure stuff like this out. And I could see instances where you'd have a pro, like, let's say somebody of, like, jungleman stature, who's winning just insane amounts of money. I, I could see them, like, shutting someone down saying, like, oh, there's no way you could be winning this much. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you raise a good point for sure because New Jersey is not that big of a state, and um, they're not just – they can't just find people in online poker who could take this job. Like, I couldn't take this job because I'm not in New Jersey. So they need to find people in New Jersey. I mean, I don't think there's a requirement they have to live there, but it wouldn't be practical for them to not live there. Right. So uh, find enough people in New Jersey who have the expertise to manage the whole room. Yeah, it's and, good that they're taking this step though, I think and having putting this in place, it's just um it's never going to be perfect. Yeah, and it's actually a lot harder to find someone who could do that type of job properly than it is to like find a good poker player. You can find a lot of really good poker players who would be terrible at this management job. Right. So, uh, hopefully they can find enough who are competent. Otherwise, we're going to have all kinds of fail. Right. Not to say that they wouldn't be appointing them anyway, but um, you know they do have to have one, and, the, and it's an important job. They have to investigate any kind of claims of cheating. And you know there's going to be all kinds of like false cheating accusations from people who lose. So right. the people who are smart enough to, to go through it and figure out what is cheating, what's not cheating, what are just the like, paranoid uh, people who think it's rigged versus uh, legitimate collusion reports. And sometimes even it surprises me, like the smart people of poker stars I've seen let some of this collusion get by, right. even when reported to them. Like the stock trader scandal, which I referred to a little bit earlier. Right. That, not only didn't they confiscate their money, which they should have, but... Stock Trader was reported for this. He and his friend were reported for this a year before the whole scandal broke. And PokerStar said, yeah, we looked at it, they're not colluding. Well, wrong, they were. Right. I mean, if if they looked at it carefully, even back when it was reported, it's not like they were doing like very light colluding a year ago, and then when the whole scandal broke, they were, they were going nuts. It was pretty much the same all along. So it just got brought more to the forefront a year later. So PokerStar, they got the report, and they just... They let us slip by. So I, I hope we don't see that here, and I hope there's enough people who would be cut off for this sort of job who right. won't be either banning people with false positives or letting cheaters get through with false negatives. Now, it's worse, actually, to ban someone who did nothing wrong than to let a cheater get away with it, but both are pretty bad. Right. Uh, yeah, I could see a casino hiring, like, some schmo who has, like, a degree in, like, uh, statistics or some bullshit like that that really has like no clue how some of this stuff works. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it's not like it's going to be perfect, but you know, we'll just have to wait and see how things go. Yeah, and you know, I, I actually have personal experience with this on Cake Poker. That idiot security manager named Tony, uh, I had 46k on the site in 2007, and I got it frozen, and I was told that they have already determined that I have uh, colluded and that they're confiscating all my money, and that the decision's final tough luck. I got it reversed, but they wouldn't show me how I supposedly colluded, and I found out when it was all done that the reason they came with this accusation was that some donkey who won one of their promotions for 75k sat at 5100 with me, and between his horrendous play 
and him running also terrible, and me running very well, I won 62k of that 75k that he won uh, from that promotion. I won 62k of it from him in three days at 5100 limit, which is very very hard to do. In fact, that was my best all-time like uh, win at at uh, you know big bets win in that short period of time. I've never done anything like that ever before or again. And uh, it's partially because the guy was terrible, partially I just was hitting everything. So instead of just looking at the hands and seeing that there was no collusion, the idiot who was in charge of security at Cake was sure that since this guy reported collusion, and since I won 62K at 5103 days, I had to be cheating, and he didn't even find one hand that could indicate me cheating. And when I was denying it, because I didn't do it, Right. And saying, show me one hand where I cheated, show me one hand where I colluded, he couldn't and kept making excuses because he realized he didn't have one. He realized he just made his decision based upon numbers rather than even a single hand. And I'm afraid that this could happen if you have incompetent people in New Jersey. Uh, you'll have more power to appeal it, but it'll be a big mess. Right. So that's totally what that reminds me of. You were heads up with that guy a lot too, right? No, it was actually mostly three-handed, and that's a, it. Was three-handed? It was me, another pro, and and him mostly. Sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, but usually around. It was usually the three of us. For some right. reason, nobody else on the site realized how horrible this guy was. The other player who was very good just ran very poorly, so he broke even through the whole thing, and uh, and maybe that even increased the suspicion. But um, all the hands were legit. I said you can't even show one hand. I even made an offer. Post your list of hands on two plus two, and if if the, in the high limit form, and if the community there decides that I was cheating, then I'll drop this whole thing. But they wouldn't, of course. I said, or send them to me, and I'll post them myself. I said, I guarantee you won't have a single person in the high limit form with any hand you can post saying that I uh, that I cheated because I, I didn't. I knew I didn't. I wasn't soft playing. I wasn't cheating. You know, I was playing the guy, the other, the third guy, just as hard as I, as I would anyone. Right. And and we didn't share cards or any crap like that. So. Anyway, um, uh, here's an interesting thing here, and I, and I can understand this, but it can, I can also see how it'd be maddening. If you, you if you get banned from one of these uh, rooms, you get banned from them all. It's like a blacklist. This is what it says: If a patron is prohibited from engaging in internet wagering because a casino licensee suspects fraud, cheating, or irresponsible gaming behavior. The casino licensee shall notify the division, again, the gambling division, uh, within 24 hours. The division shall advise all other casino licensees of the patron's prohibited status. If applicable, a casino licensee shall suspend the internet gaming account of that patron and prohibit such patron from creating an internet gaming account. So they're basically they're saying, if you ban someone, or even suspend someone, tell us. You have 24 hours to tell us then we will tell all the other casinos such and such person is a suspected cheater or problem gambler or whatever. Don't let him play on your site either. So the the gaming commission does not want someone hopping from site to site to avoid being banned from cheating or uh, irresponsible gaming. That's pretty cool. That's, yeah. that's how it should be. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Uh, I can see it would be annoying if you have a wrongful ban that now you have to wait till the wrongful ban is cleared to play anywhere in New Jersey, right? That that if we don't get some competent people, this is another reason why it's so important to get competent people managing every single room. Because 
Otherwise, you have to sit and wait and wait and wait until whatever your issue is with that one room gets resolved. In the meantime, you'll be shut out of all the other rooms, which is really crappy. But uh, um, where it's very good is that cheaters can't just jump from room to room to keep cheating and, and have to get banned separately in you know, 15 different places. So, Well, uh, Poker Stars is probably... If Poker Stars gets a license, and it seems that that's re- what they really, really want to do, I mean... They'll probably be the biggest room, most likely, and you know at least they have a lot of experience dealing with that type of stuff. Yeah. So uh, that'll be a good thing. So, um, oh, you know, I, we actually are missing a topic tonight. I I see in the chat room, we're gonna have to talk about this uh, about Silk Road going down. I can't believe I, I forgot that one. We will definitely talk about that tonight. Just that's a big one. Just notice that reading the chat. Sometimes when I make up these agendas, I'm like, oh, I know I'm forgetting something. It's like when you're packing for a trip, and you see everything in your suitcase, and you're, you're sure you have everything, but then there's like some nagging feeling that you forgot something important, and you just can't figure out what it is, and then you get on the plane, and then in the air you realize what it was, and it's something huge that you're going to be like, it's going to be a pain in the ass not having. So that's, uh, that's what happened here with Silk Road, except it's a lot easier to correct that. All right, so um, maybe you have a fantasy about playing poker against public officials of New Jersey. Maybe you want to play heads up against the governor of New Jersey. Well, it's not going to happen. They are banned from the site. The following people are banned from any New Jersey online gaming site. Which is interesting. I it's uh like I don't know why they would have to be banned because it's not like they should have any kind of power to be a super user or anything like uh, but this is the list of them. They're all public officials. Or most of them are. The governor or lieutenant governor of the state. Any state officer or employee or special state officer or employee as defined in the Casino Conflicts of Interest Law. Any member of the judiciary. So if you're a judge, you can't play. Any member of the legislature. This is the New Jersey legislature, not just any legislature. I presume same for the, same for the judiciary. I think if you're a California judge in visiting New Jersey, you can play. Any officer of the city of Atlantic City. So if you're the mayor of Atlantic City, you cannot play. Any person employed as a casino key employee. Now I'm not sure what a key employee is, but I would think it's someone in management. I don't think it's like just you know a cocktail waitress or a poker dealer. So the janitors will be able to multi-table. Right? Yeah, they will. Yes. Right, and uh, and any person prohibited from gambling pursuant to, to whatever code, uh, basically if you're, if you're banned from gambling in New Jersey for whatever reason, and keep in mind you cannot be banned from gambling in New Jersey for card counting. That's not allowed there. You you can only be banned from New Jersey gambling for uh, cheating or uh, or, or for uh, irresponsible gaming or things like that. So if you're banned from brick-and-mortar casinos there, you can't play the online ones. So that's who's banned. Interestingly, they put it as a casino key employee. Now, I wonder, what about people who actually work on the side of the software? Why aren't they banned? Hmm. That's a good question. Such a weird omission there. Well, now here's the worst part of the entire regulation. I mean, I, I could not believe when I read this. Let's say you play on one of these sites... Let's say you're a visitor from some other state. Let's say pretty far away. Let's say you take a trip to Atlantic City and you're from California. And you run it up on there. 
and you know you run up to about 10k. You deposit 1k, rent up to 10k. Go back home to California, feel pretty good about yourself, and say, you know what? When I come back, I don't know, sometime next year or two years from now, I will continue playing with this bankroll. I don't need the money right now. I'll just leave it on there. Well, you don't want to do that. Why? Because if your account lies dormant, I'm going to read the exact uh, statute from the regulations. You lose your money after a year. So this is something that they're that they have to do. This is a requirement for the casinos to do. Record the patron's acknowledgement that if his or her account remains dormant for a period of one year, any funds remaining on deposit shall be forfeited. So if you don't log on for a year, they can take your money. Now why the hell would that be? That's ridiculous. It's bad enough if they were to charge you some sort of maintenance fee. But okay, I, I guess they they can they I guess they can kinda have a right to not be required to hold your money indefinitely. That at some point they want you to either continue using the site or get it off. I could even see if they contact you after a year and say, Okay, your account is temporarily closed or, or we're forced withdrawing you, what way do you want the money? But to just take it, especially when you can come to the state and play there and go home, you got to think there's going to be a number of people who just don't withdraw and don't realize about this law. Right. And, and now they do have to get the patron's acknowledgement that this law exists, but I could see them burying this in a 20-page terms and conditions thing that you have to click I accept and... China Maniac, do you ever read the terms and conditions whenever you accept on a website? Do you ever read them or you just click I've accept? I've never read one once in my life. I haven't either. Like, especially when they're like 30 pages. Like, I, like, I wonder what percentage of people actually reads the full 30 pages of terms and conditions. Like, probably almost no one. So, I have a feeling the, quote, acknowledgement that the patron will will give will probably be buried in some terms and conditions. And even if they are made aware of it, they may forget it, they may not really understand what they're reading, um, or maybe they do understand it, and then they just, when it comes time, they just let more than a year pass and they get screwed. It's just a thing that shouldn't happen to take their entire bankroll that they have on the site because they haven't logged on in a year. Crazy. Right. So, it's horrible. Uh, that's the worst part of it, of everything I read. Yeah, and um, what was I going to say? Wouldn't they be making interest off this anyways? Yes! Yes, they, the they would. Be, yes, they'd be gaining that uh, that that uh, the money that they have. It's like a short-term loan to them, right? That they can, as long as they can come up with the money when you want it. Um, yeah. they're, they're, it's like a bank with no interest. Is exactly. I think uh, party poker does something like this now. If your account's inactive for like six days, they start charging. I mean, six months, they start charging you penalties or something like that. Yeah, I heard about that. I don't know how much and. I think the Toppy group wanted to do that, too, when they were going to take over full tilt. They wanted to penalize account balances like every three or six months that weren't active in trying to clear their bonus so they could get all their funds released, which is just ridiculous because the money is sitting there. It should be sitting there on hand, and they should be getting interest. So yeah, I yeah, I, I, I agree. I think like promotional programs, I understand that more like, like Caesar's Total Rewards. If you don't earn at least one reward credit every six months... 
they will confiscate all your total rewards credit, which is annoying, but I can understand at least it's promotional, and um, you know at least they can somewhat justify that, that they make the rules at their own promotion. They don't have to give you anything. But, but when it's real money that they're required to hold for you, and it's your money, that, that for them to just be able to take it because you don't log on for a year is just nuts. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of anger about this when the first person runs into this situation, especially someone with a lot of money. Right. So let me uh, get to the last thing I want to talk about with the regulations here. Some of you might remember uh, the mysterious Peachymer, briefly a PokerStars pro, who uh, was caught multi-accounting, or share, not multi-accounting, but uh, account sharing. That she, Well, I guess she was multi-accounting too. She was swapping accounts with her boyfriend, Brad L., on PokerStars. Uh, she never got in trouble for it. In fact, PokerStars made some kind of stupid rule to accommodate it because they wanted to kiss her ass. But anyway, she better not visit New Jersey or she might get herself in trouble. Because there is no account sharing or multi-accounting. Something that casinos all have to do there is record the patron's acknowledgement that he or she is prohibited from allowing any other person access their to their account for their, you know, the internet or mobile gaming account, and a patron shall only have one internet or mobile gaming account for each casino licensee, meaning you can only have one account per site, and you can't share it with anyone. So, uh, uh, this is bad news for Peachymer, and uh, especially bad news for uh, the tournament scene, if uh, Z Justin wants to have any shot of winning. <laughs> So, no multi-accounting. I'm not sure what they're going to do to the multi-accounters. It doesn't say what the penalty would be for the people who do multi-account, but at least uh, they are putting this in the official regulations that no one is allowed to log on to anyone else's account. And hopefully it'll be some kind of penalty for doing so. Yeah, and you you know, going back to one of the other things you brought up, uh, like nobody involved like in the government of New Jersey or whatever, you know, they, what about their wives or whatever? They'll be able to play if they want to, you know what I mean? Like, there's going to be ways around it, like there is everything. Yeah, yeah, of course there'll be ways around it. I, I think these are, a lot of these things are just regulations they put up there, but but can be difficult to prove. And right. Like, it doesn't say you have to play from your home. So so let's say they see that some other guy logged onto my account. So some other IP address, some home IP address logged onto my account. Uh, and, and he's a poker player, too. And they say, ah, multi-accounting. I say, no, 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 I visited this guy. Right. I, I went to his house, I played there. They're like, as long as that's not against the rules, how are they going to prove it? So, right. uh, now, if I was dumb enough to post about it or, or say something about it, then then yes, they could catch me. Otherwise, it'd be very hard. Not that I'm suggesting anyone multi-account. I'm just saying these are these are very difficult things to enforce, and that's why uh, people have gotten away f- with it for so long. Uh, poker stars would like to use patterns where people would uh, go on two accounts from from one house, and and where it just did, there was just no way that the two people could have uh, could have done this in the same place. Like like for example, if uh, Two people are 50 miles away from one another, and uh, one guy logs off his account at uh, 8 o'clock, and the next guy 50 miles away logs in at 8.10 on the same account. Then they know that the two people have not, could not have visited each other because you can't travel 50 miles in 10 minutes. So that's, that's like the way poker stars would catch people. So mm-hmm. hopefully they will be as good at catching that as poker stars was. Um, yeah, I, w- I wonder if the guy who did the who won that Sunday Million 
and it turned out it was uh, he was multi-accounting, and he, he won as his sister. I wonder if he'll be allowed there. Uh, I, I wonder if, like, the... Uh, I mean, this guy was from a different country, but hopefully they catch things like this. So uh, we don't have, all of a sudden, the sisters of poker players, ones who've never played a hand before in their lives, you know, entering the high-limit tournaments and somehow taking down $2 million tournaments. Right. What, what, a, what a story. A person who's never played before, a sister of a poker player, takes down a big online tournament and plays like an expert. Shows that anyone can win at poker. So, so that's the, those are the New Jersey regulations. I thought they were interesting. Especially the one about taking your money. So if you do play on these rooms, definitely get your money off. And if you don't, then make sure you get it off within a year. So this is supposed to start up next month, right? Yeah, well, November 23rd is the date that everyone is allowed to start. Who actually starts on November 23rd is in question, but that's the universal start date. You can also right. start after that if you want. Interesting. So, uh, moving on to our next topic. Um, talked about last week on this show that Lock Poker got down to 15 cents on the dollar with uh, continued cash out problems. People are just throwing up their hands in frustration and saying, screw it, I don't care. I have 5000 on the site, take it at 15 cents on the dollar. You know, give, give me. Uh, 750 bucks, you get my 5,000, which is crazy. But there's actually people doing that. So, the question was, how low can it go regarding lock poker? So, that's a... Last week I was theorizing, will it get down below 10 cents? That'll be really amazing if it does. But, uh, this week we're starting to get the answer. This is the lock poker... Lowrider Report. That's right, Lock Poker. How low can they go? Well, apparently a lot lower than 15 cents. This week on 2 Plus 2, you can buy $3,000 worth of lock poker money for 11 cents on the dollar. 11 cents you can buy. That, to show you how ridiculous that is, $330 of real money will get you 3000 on lock right now if you want it. There's a guy, a legitimate guy, on 2 Plus 2 willing to give you his 3000 for 330 also, on 2 Plus 2 at the moment, uh, there's a guy still living in a dream world who thinks he might get 15 cents on the dollar selling 5K. <laughs> this is just to show it's not one outlier. You know, it's like like even if this this guy, um, you say, well, this guy is just desperate, just trying to get anything. Right behind him is someone selling 5K for 15 cents. Wow. And then there was a guy who came out there saying, hey, I've got a $17 Amazon gift card. Can someone send me a hundred on lock? And this guy got like snapped up. Someone just like like, like everyone just pounced on this guy to get his seventeen dollar Amazon gift card in exchange for a hundred dollars on lock. That's how bad it's gotten over there. Now you can say, okay, well that's seventeen percent. That's above market. But first of all, it's not even cash. It's an Amazon gift card. And second, it's only seventeen dollars. There's like a pain in the ass factor to it too. You're only getting a hundred dollars uh, off a of lock. 
417 in a gift card format. And still, like, everyone was jumping on that guy. So that's how bad it's getting over there. I, I'm wondering if next week, on October 15th, on our next episode, if I will be able to report below 10 cents on the dollar. How it's low okay. can it go? It's amazing. I mean, if you, you know, if I had like 10K on there, I don't even know if I would sell it. I would just pray for a rebound and hope to get something. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I was trying to think to myself. I couldn't figure out whether, like, what I would do, I definitely wouldn't want to buy any lock money at this point, but, like, let's say I had, like, 10K, as you said. Like, what do I do at this point? Do I just say, I'm happy to get anything, even at, like, 11 cents, and just, like, accept the intense pain of 89% of the money I thought I won, I'm not getting? Yeah, I would uh, just, I would just put, in, put in the max cash out and just cross my fingers. Yeah, or, or just do that and just hope, like, one day a miracle happens. One day someone buys them and they get them. And then you can say, well, you know, if, if, if that's what you're going to do, if, if that is what you would do, why don't you just buy up a bunch of money and do the same thing? Right. And and now there is a second complication to it in that maybe you'll buy up all the money and try to cash out and they won't let you saying that they're not letting people who receive money via transfer cash out, which they were already trying to pull before. So that that's why that's not a really safe investment anyway, even if you think they'll cash out one day. But uh, I, I don't know. Because there's a really a psychological factor to it to let go of that much money for so little money, even if you know that you're probably doing the right thing value-wise. Like, even if you think it's worth less than 11 cents on the dollar at this point, um, maybe you don't want to do it just because you have the emotional tie to that money that you won. And to think about all the time and effort you put into it and that you lose 89% of it is just, uh, it's very hard to do. Right. So maybe that's what these, you know, a lot of people don't want to do and that's why they're just holding on. But it's a really terrible situation there. But but still, I would not recommend people buy at $0.11. Cents. I would not recommend you buy lock poker money for anything right now because you just may absolutely never get it off. Right. If you're a European, maybe, because they are slowly cashing out a few of them over there. There's a huge right. backlog that's getting even bigger, but at least there are a few people getting money. If you're American, you're just not getting your money. So uh, I, I guess it also depends on where you live. But, but boy, is it getting bad over there. And uh, I'm wondering also at some point if enough money starts showing up on 2 plus 2. These large trade offers for 3K, 5K, 10K. If you get enough of them up there, will Lock Poker start creating shills that buy these up at a discount as a way to kind of like get themselves healthy? Uh, some people say no because they don't even have 10% of the money. Right, I would agree with that. <laughs> so, and I think that's right. I think if they had 10% of the money, I think that they would be cashing out a lot faster right now, especially because not everyone's requesting a cash out. So, I bet you the owners are scrambling, and they probably have been trying to get investors over there to try and do something. I mean, it's going to be the, on- the only thing they could be doing right now. I mean, if they don't have any money, there's really... Nothing they can do, you know? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, people were saying, oh, I bet Locke, you know, has shills out here buying these. And I'm like, no, I don't think they are. I don't think they have the money. I I don't think the shills are out there. I, I think maybe they'd like to if they had it, but I think they're so they're so screwed they can't even do that. Right. So that's, that's how bad it's it's getting over there. 
Yeah, I, I actually ran into a not this type of a problem, but on merge, I, I one time I had a lot of money and you know it was selling at like seventy five and eighty cents, and you know it's like do you wait for your cash out or you know do you cash it out and take a you know twenty five percent of your winnings hit and um. I was lucky. I actually had a guy that owed me a favor, and I used to just transfer to him, and he would cash out for me, and um, he would tran- he would cash out in money bookers for me, and then get me the money via wire for a small fee. So I, I lucked out on that part. But a lot of people, you know, just you know, you got to put the market at somewhere, and whatever amount the money's, you know, however much you need it, you know, you got to make a decision on what you're going to do. And, yeah. It's very, very frustrating. It's just so frustrating to think you've won money and then to find out you really haven't. Right. I, I'll tell you something that still hurts me, even though the the money is not huge. It was, it was still large enough to really sting. On a sports book called Bet Cascade, which was once very well rated, they just ran off with everybody's money at the beginning of uh, 2007, shortly after the net teller thing. I guess that's what really made them collapse. I think they were also pulling a full tilt and spending the money in deposit, but you know, in fact, I know they were, but that's that's not the point. The point is that I ran up a thousand dollar deposit. They were a sports book to fifty seven hundred dollars through some good sports bets. I remember, in fact, um, I went with a friend to a local college basketball game just because I bet on one of the teams, as did he, and it was a close, exciting game, and they won. And I remember driving back with him, and we were talking about the money we won, and. Um, yeah, it was the first time I actually had gone to a sporting event where I had money on the game. And I thought it was kind of cool. And then when Cascade went down and never gave me my money, I thought, shit. All that cheering I did at the game for two teams I didn't give a crap about right. was all for nothing because I never got the money. All, right. Everything I did to run up that money from 1000 to 5700 is was wasted. It just completely wasted. It was... it's. Uh, it's just gone. So it, it was worse than just like walking through the Bellagio and finding out that uh, forty seven hundred dollars slipped through my pocket. I I got a thousand out of them before they stopped paying at all. But I I got cheated out of forty seven hundred. But like it was worse than just losing forty seven hundred out of my pocket or something. Because the, at least there it's just it's just money that I, that I've lost. But I don't have an emotional connection to it. Here I had an emotional connection to it. I had real experiences I could think of of winning the money. How it made me feel only to realize that the emotions I had then were were false. I mean, they were real emotions, but they were based upon false pretenses that I didn't realize at the time. So, Yeah, I, I had something happen once where it was basketball season and then baseball season was just, just starting. And um, I put in about, for about 25 straight days, I was betting on basketball. And I was breaking even, breaking even. And I was up a little bit. And then... I used to call these bets in to a guy's voicemail and I called in and I said, you know, I wanted Atlanta and it, and he put it down as a baseball bet. He said, and I was like, buddy, I've bet basketball here for 25 straight days. I'm like, <laughs> uh, you know, and he tried to, he just, he said, no, fuck you. I'm not paying you. You know, you didn't wow. make it clear on the machine. And you know, that was the last time I bet through the guy, but you know, it was, it was a pretty big bet. It was money that I won and you know, I got stiff for it. So I know the feeling. Um, it's not a good one. Yeah, you you especially gotten screwed if you said I won Atlanta yesterday. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And speaking of which, uh, the Red Sox just took a two to one lead in the seventh. Oh wow! 
right. Two to one. So, uh, some big stuff right here. Uh, I just don't want this to go back to Boston. If it goes back to Boston, then they're going to have to face David Price again and don't want to see him. So hopefully they wrap it up tonight. That'd be pretty bad to be up 2 nothing, and uh, and then lose the series. It's happened to Boston a few times here. Yeah, I mean, uh, the hockey team a couple of years ago, they were up, I think, what, 3 nothing on the Flyers, and they wound up losing. Well, at least Boston came back on the Yankees when they were down 3 nothing that time. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was certainly a big one. So they have Boston up two one, and uh, they can if they can hold on, they will be the second team behind the Dodgers to move on past the division series. And uh, we have two teams tied at two right now with Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Oakland, Detroit. Now, what, what the hell? I'll talk about uh, the next thing here, and that is the baseball game I went to yesterday. Um. First, I want to start by going back to uh, 1988, because uh, most of you know I've been a, a Dodgers fan for my whole life, basically. Um, my dad watched the Dodgers all the time. Um, both my parents were from the East Coast, from the New York area, and um, so they, they had exposure to the Brooklyn Dodgers. My mom actually lived in Brooklyn. My dad didn't, but you know, he had exposure to them, and uh, they moved to the West around the time when the Dodgers moved. A little bit after, but uh, it, it was, uh, wasn't that long after. So the Dodgers have kind of been around my family for a long time, and uh, so I, I grew up uh, with my dad watching the Dodgers. I, I went to my first Dodgers game in 1976 as a, as a four-year-old, and it was probably too early to take me. I, I, I still remember... Uh, my dad complaining to my mom that I didn't pay attention to the game and I was just looking around everywhere. And that's because I was, I was just too young to take. Um, I see kids younger than four. I saw one, in fact, next to me yesterday who was three. But, uh, you know, they don't understand what's going on. That's why I'm, I'm not going to take a band until you can actually understand the game. But uh, I went the next year and then I started really watching the game when I was five and started understanding things a lot more. And... Um, since then, I, I've been a fan of the Dodgers. Uh, my parents didn't go to that many games. We'd, we'd go to a few a year. They never went to playoff games. They, they didn't ever want to spend a lot of money on uh, going to baseball games. Uh, they'd occasionally buy tickets through someone at my dad's work. and Not the greatest seats, either. Not terrible seats, but not that great. And and, it wasn't as easy to get tickets back then. Like they were right. as accessible as now. Right, that's a very good point. There was no StubHub and no online ticket agencies. It was it was a lot harder to get tickets. If you wanted the very good seats, you'd have to buy them from some ripoff scalper. And you know, my dad didn't want to deal with that. So, um, but we went to games regularly through, uh, you know, pretty much every year, a few times a year. Uh, in 1988, I was 16 years old. And the Dodgers won the World Series in dramatic fashion. I think it was that Kirk Gibson home run. There was the Oral Hershiser just destroying everyone the whole year and in the postseason. Uh, they won in 81, too, but I was only 9 then. And, uh, you know, it meant a lot more to me to see as a 16-year-old, especially it was a more interesting and more uh, dramatic uh, win for them in 88. I would have never guessed in 88 that it would be 25 years 
and I would still be talking about maybe they can win for the first time since then, and maybe they can even be in the World Series for the first time since then. Now, of course, there's teams like the Cubs, who uh, haven't been to the World Series in a really long time. Uh, much longer than that. But uh, you know, there are teams that have had a lot more struggles. I mean, Pittsburgh, they didn't even have a winning season since 92 until this year. But uh, I, I regretted that I didn't get to see the 88 World Series. As a 16-year-old, I didn't really have much power to do much about it. But uh, I said, you know, I'm an adult now. I can go to the World Series when the Dodgers make it. So I've been going to the playoffs the last uh, several years when the Dodgers do make it. They hadn't made it since '09. But uh, so they they made the division series this year, but I had a feeling that it was going to be tougher to go this year than other years, and that's because there's all this buzz around the Dodgers in '08, '09, even in '06. Like they they weren't considered like one of the elite teams; they were just kind of a team that got there. This year, because of that 42 and eight streak they had in, in the middle late part of the season, and and all the big name players they have. Uh, the huge payroll, the, the the high profile sale of the team to Magic Johnson's company. There, uh, everyone's watching the Dodgers now as as like a favorite, and the whole city of L.A. has kind of woken up to them again. Right. Maybe even more because the, the Lakers suck now. So, um, they got every- a ton of superstars now. Big payroll. That's the big thing. When you have the, you know, when you're paying guys that amount of money and there's that many all stars. People know you have a legit chance, and there's just more. It's going to generate more buzz, and it's going to create a higher demand on the tickets. Obviously, yeah. And something there's no shortage of in, in L.A. are people who have money. A lot of money in L.A. It's it's a very big area. A lot of affluence in L.A. and and the property values are so high. In fact, to even live in, in much of the L.A. area, you have to have some money. So there's just a lot of people with a lot of money to spend, and even though it's a very large stadium of 56,000 people, that's a capacity, uh, I knew it was going to be expensive. So I spent so much time scouring all the ticket sites, looking for a way into the game, into some good seats that were not ridiculously priced. And it was very hard. My normal trick was with StubHub, where I just kind of wait till the last minute and buy something really cheap. I saw that was not working because the tickets were all getting snapped up and there just wasn't much of an inventory by the time the game would go off. So people wouldn't really be desperate to sell their tickets. They're just, they'd all get sold. So um, finally, after uh, a lot of searching, I found two tickets for $262 each, which is definitely, you know, not a small sum of money. And uh, got excellent seats. If you saw them on my Twitter, I posted a picture. Uh, you know, really good seats between home and first behind the Braves' dugout for Game 4 of the Division Series. Uh, I can guarantee you, other than people who got tickets from friends or or whatever, um, I probably paid the least of anyone sitting around me. But uh, Yeah, those would look like some really nice tickets. Yeah, they were, they were. But it's it's still sometimes hard to part with two hundred sixty two dollars for tickets to a baseball game for each ticket. I got two tickets. Yeah, I brought my girlfriend with me. It's a lot, a lot of money for sure. Yeah, like like they get, especially if they lose, then you really feel crappy. You're like, oh, I just wasted five hundred dollars on this. Right. So uh, then, of course, I have to battle with the, the awful traffic coming to Dodger Stadium because 
Dodger Stadium was not built for 56,000 fans to come into it. And even though that's it was built in the 60s, and in the 60s people drove just like they do now, but they just didn't think it through properly when designing that stadium. It's a very nice stadium, but the the, the roads in are just... They just did not design that whole thing very well as far as the traffic situation there. And then you have the normal L.A. traffic to contend with as well. So it's a freaking mess getting there, and not as much getting back because that's later at night, but uh, getting there is such a freaking mess. And um, I actually almost missed the beginning of the game because whenever they have these postseason games, it's not just a sellout, but everybody shows up. It's not like a technical sellout where you still have 10,000 people that don't show. Here, everyone shows. No one's going to miss this. So, you know, if you're going to miss this, you know you can sell your ticket for a lot of money. So, everyone's there. Uh, you get within a mile of the stadium, it takes more than an hour to get into the stadium. That's how bad the traffic is by the stadium. And it's just, like, really demoralizing to you. Like, you drive up to it, and you just, like... You see where you have to turn, and you're, you're looking like a mile ahead, and there's like a left turn where there's like three cars going through each light. And you're like, oh my god, this is going to take an eternity. And then you're watching the clock tick down toward game time, and you thought you left in plenty of time, and it turns out you didn't. So I finally took matters into my own hands, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to be a sheep here and follow all the other sheep in the normal ways into the stadium. So I, I busted out my iPhone, and I said... You know, there's a lot of residential neighborhoods around here, and I took I took a page out of Bad Guy's book. I said, what would Bad Guy 23, the king of resident, residential neighborhoods, do? <laughs> and, and what I did was uh, I looked at residential streets to take for that final mile or so into Dodger Stadium. And I was just jumping from residential street to residential street, and believe it or not, that worked. Because no one thinks of doing that for whatever reason. Like, I didn't see one other car doing what I did. And I, I got all the way almost to the entrance of the stadium by doing that. And by the time I finally hit traffic, there was like only five minutes left to sit in traffic. And uh, and I got in to the stadium in plenty of time, which is good, because Crawford hit a leadoff home run in the bottom of the first. And uh, But, you know, the game itself was kind of frustrating to watch at first because the Dodgers got runners on base like almost every inning. They had a lot of times where they had guys on second with nobody out or one out and just could not score. They scored twice on Carl Crawford's home runs. But that was it. And then they played terrible defense, and they eventually fell behind 3-2 to two in the seventh. Blew another chance in the seventh, and I was like, oh, God, I, I spent all this money, I hassled with all the L.A. traffic to get down here, and like they're going to lose. And it's going to go back to Atlanta. Maybe they'll lose again. Everyone will, t- will talk about what a failure this high-budget team was. And then uh, Uribe hit that home run that everyone's talking about now. And uh, once he did that, I knew it was over. Even though it was only a one-run lead, I knew it was over. So uh, that was a uh, it, it was a pretty amazing home run there uh, that. Uh, yeah, especially it was, it was following two bunts. Yeah, what was that all about? What did he try and bunt twice and then... Well, yeah, this was so weird about it, and I was surprised by it too. So down 3-2, to two, Yasiel Puig has a leadoff double. And uh, I, I guess Mattingly was thinking, let's get him to third and then let's try to get a sack fly. Which, 
I, I, I don't know if I like that, but it was very weird. So Uribe, who's an okay hitter this year, you know, he's not a great hitter, but he's not like the terrible hitter he was the last two years. He improved a lot this year. So he comes up and tries to bunt, fails, tries to bunt a second time, fails, and now he's got two strikes on him. Now he can't try to bunt anymore. Another foul bunt is a third strike. So then I think there's like a one or two balls that went to him. And then uh, I think it was a 2-2 count. He swings and uh, he, he hits a monster home run. So it, it was uh, it was pretty amazing here. And uh, and Kershaw pitched too, right? Yeah, Kershaw pitched after 125 pitches on uh, Thursday night. Was back on Monday night, starting the game, and he he did pretty well. He wasn't as good as he normally is, but you know, for 125 pitches just uh, four nights beforehand, right? Starting on no, short rest, wasn't it? Wasn't it three days rest? It was three days rest. You know, it was four, it was four days. You know, with three days where he didn't pitch. Yeah, I still I don't like that call. I mean, pitchers going on less even four days rest. I think if you look at the numbers, even for like the great great pitchers, they usually get lit up pretty hard. Um, but three days rest, I mean, I wouldn't if if you look those numbers up, you, you'd just be like, wow, it's it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I saw this stat a couple of years ago, and it's just um, it doesn't really matter how good you are. Your stuff's just not as good. Those guys just aren't used to pitching. You know. Within that short of a time frame nowadays. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was nervous about it. Now Nolasco, who was supposed to pitch, had just been awful at the end of the year. So I I, I kind of understand it, but boy, that was really taking a risk. I know Kershaw's so good, but you know, 125 pitches on Thursday, and then he's back out there on Monday. Right. That's, that's and he was tough. fading a little bit down the stretch here. I mean, obviously he's not going to keep up. Um, you know the way he pitched in the first half, but the second half wasn't as good. He was still great, but yeah, he was he he was yes down the last uh, month or so, he 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 definitely had some trouble. He was uh, he was definitely tiring. Because the one problem with with uh, pitching really well is that you tend to pitch a whole lot of innings. He's that you don't get yanked. So he led the National League in innings pitched, and really? so sure enough, he's starting to get tired. I mean, that's going to happen. So uh, anyway, there was a. a when it was all said and done, I, I was considering going to the Sunday game where they won 13-4. to When it was all said and done, I was thrilled I went to this game because this was a much more exciting game, even though it was frustrating at some parts when they couldn't score. Um, to have this dramatic home run and this, this close game the whole way, and then you get to watch Kenley Jansen come out in the ninth and strike everybody out, that was a much more interesting game than the 13-4 to blowout where it's very clear from the middle of the game on that they're, they're going to win and you're just kind of bored. So I picked the right game to go to. The problem is... Now they're in the NLCS, and I'm like, well, I don't want to stop there and like no, not go to any more games. I, I didn't wait all this time for a, a great team to just go to the division series. So I go, well, let, let me take a look here, the NLCS, and I, I go to StubHub. I didn't buy my tickets from StubHub. I, I bought them from a ticket agency, but you know, StubHub is fairly close to what you'll be paying anywhere right now. So looking at the good field seats... They're starting at a four hundred fourteen dollars each right now. Wow! So it's just, and then the next there's only one pair there for four fourteen. Then the next one up is four fifty six. Now this will probably come down some in the coming days, but not that much. So I I don't know. Like I I can't bring myself to spend that type of money. And I'm like, crap. What about the World Series? Well, I went and took a look at that. 
This is really outrageous. Now, I bet this will come down a lot from this, but, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Here's here's World Series Game 1 for the Dodgers if they make it. Um, if you buy this on StubHub, and it's not just StubHub like this. If you get the awful, awful nosebleed seats, which is all the way up in right field, it's called Preferred Reserve, and the only way it's preferred is over uh, not being in the stadium at all. Right. I don't know why they call it preferred. But <laughs> I know. I, if I was getting seats called preserve, what is it? Preserve? No, no. Pre- pre- preferred reserve. Preferred reserve. If someone told me, you have preferred reserve, I'd be like, yes. Yeah. You know, it sounds like you're getting something good here. Yeah, yeah. This is actually the worst seats in the park. So all the way out in right field. $508 per ticket right now for the World wow. Series. See, I wouldn't even want to go. I'd rather watch it on TV. Uh, there's nothing worse than going to a sporting event, especially a baseball game, and sitting way, way out. And that's a pretty big stadium, too, right? Yes. You know what? I've actually had nightmares about preferred reserve 60. I'm not even kidding. Uh, yes. So so a long time ago, like, like before my parents knew better, they got some seats. I, I don't know if it was preferred reserve 60, but it was something like that. It was all the way out in right field in the blue, the blue reserve level. So we go out there, and we couldn't believe how terrible the view was. You're, you're high up. You're way off in the corner at right field. Um, the players just, look like ants. It's yes. almost like being in an airplane. Right. They look like ants. <laughs> and not even ants like you're way above them directly. It's like ants and you're off to the side. So it was awful, and we couldn't believe it. So you know, we just dealt with it, and then my parents said, never again, you know, we're, we're going to sit close to the infield. I mean, they, they, they still sat high up, but at least they sat where you had an infield view rather than way off in the corner in right field. So somehow that stayed with me, and occasionally I have some kind of like nightmare where I get tickets to see the Dodgers, and it's like an extreme version of Dodger Stadium, which instead of like holding 56,000, looks like it holds like 200,000. And, and, and like so far up, and so far off to the side, and sometimes there's even like things in my way, where like you really just cannot see the game at all, and I'm like so disappointed. Like I actually, I wouldn't say it's a recurring nightmare, but it's one I've had a, a few times in my life, including right. you know probably like a few years ago as the last one. So it's not even like this is one as a kid. So uh, yeah, so if I want to ha- live that nightmare, I can buy pre- preferred reserve sixty for five hundred eight bucks. And uh, now, what about the seats I sat in last night? What if I want to buy those? Those seats right now are. Uh, well, I can't. The, the exact seats are not being sold, but seats, would you believe, three rows back from where I was, which is obviously worse than my seats, $2,500 each. Wow. These are the ones I paid 262 for for yesterday. Wow. I'd just hold out and wait and see if they get to the World well, Series. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to pay that no matter what. Like I, Even though it was my, my dream since I was 16 to go see a Dodgers World Series game. I'm just not going to do it for that price. I'm not going to pay $2,500 to see them per ticket. Right. It's just nuts. I mean, but the question is, like, I, I bet they're going to fall, but, like, are there really 56,000 people in L.A. that will pay $500 minimum to sit in the stadium? Mm. would be surprised. <laughs> I mean, I, I, can you imagine paying $500 and being stuck? I, 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 I think I'd much rather pay the 2500 and sit in a good seat than 500 for a preferred reserve 60 Really, I mean, <laughs> the, there's nothing worse than nosebleeds at a sporting event. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, especially with baseball, because you're so far, you can't even really see the ball. You know, you're yeah. basically watching the guys run around. And, you know, I, I actually had a uh, discussion with someone who was telling me, oh, I prefer the reserve blue level um, just in the infield, because then you get a view of the whole stadium. If you're in the field level, there's always something you can't see, which is true. Like like last night when uh, Puig tried to dive for the ball and, and missed it, and it ended up being a triple for Elliot Johnson. I couldn't see what happened. I just saw it went to right field, and then it disappears. Right. And then, and then I see the ball fire back in, and Ellie Johnson's at third. That was kind of annoying. But um, the good thing about being down at the field level is that you're like part of the action, especially if you're you're by the infield where I was. I'm right behind the dugout. You really get to feel like you're actually part of it. You're not just watching the game. You feel like you're part of the game. You're right there. The players are, you know, you can see them. They look like normal human beings in front of you instead of ants. And uh, and you're right there. You feel like you're at like a local high school game, but instead you're watching major leaguers. That's it's like once I went down there for the first time, I said I'm never going back to the higher seat. So like, if it comes to the World Series, and let's say the prices go down, but but like any of these good field seats are like still ridiculously expensive, I, I think I'll probably choose not to go and watch it on TV rather than sit in some shit seats or or some like okay seats. I just I don't think I want to be up that high. Uh, even behind home plate, I think I'd rather just watch it on TV. Then it's just not the same. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. Um, I'd say out of the three, outside of hockey, I can say basketball. For LeBron James's first game at, in Boston, I was all the way up. In there was some. It was like a club thing where like food was included and all that stuff. But it was all the way up at the top, and it wasn't too bad. I would say that's probably. Um, Second, baseball's third being the worst, and football, I would say, is the easiest to watch from way up in the nosebleeds. I actually had season tickets to the Patriots the year before they won the Super, their first Super Bowl, and while the, uh, the seats were way, way up, you could kind of follow what was going on down there, but overall, I, I'd prefer, if you're not going to get good seats, then I'd prefer to stay home and watch it on TV. You get to see everything in HD now, so... It's just the way I feel about it. Yeah, well, so there's someone in the chat room who's telling me that he can uh, actually get me a seat uh, through some friends of his that are L.A. ticket brokers. Yeah, great. If if you can do that, if you can help me out, if you listen to this show and you enjoy the show and would like to, you know, help me in some way and get get more reasonable seats here, uh, reasonably priced seats, um, I, I'd be thrilled here because I, I I'm, I've been depressed watching the amount of money here that these seats are going for. And and I, you know, I'm i not looking to buy seats and resell them and you know, scalp them myself. I'm, I want to just go to the game and not have to pay a fortune here. So if you have access to something and can help with that. Because honestly, I'm not going to just pay whatever it is. If it's too expensive, I'm just going to sit home and not go. It's like At some point, I have to say it's not worth it. It's, it's still just going to a game. And even for a big fan of the game, it's just uh, to think like to pay that much money and then the game's over and it's gone. You know, it's a uh, um. So, anyway, have you ever thought about buying season tickets? You know, it, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I I actually just looked into it. Do I buy like a season of Dodgers tickets and then just like list every single one of them on StubHub except for a few I want to go to the games, hope to break even, and then have the seats already for the postseason? But um. I forgot what... The, I know what it was. It's just like, I, I determined the fees on StubHub are too high to where I'm afraid I'm going to lose money. Right. 
and that's why I didn't do it. Otherwise, I, otherwise, if I could like automatically list them, I wouldn't mind putting up the money up front. If I could like automatically list them and then just think of the jackpot you would have hit with all these playoff tickets. Yeah. So in that in that way they would have been would have been good, but uh, and also it would have to be seats I'd want to sit in myself, and I'm not sure if those are available. But uh, right. Um. Anyway, that's uh, that's I know I've overdone it with the baseball talk here, but uh, we just got got into the whole topic, and so we'll see if I go next week to the uh, NLCS or not. We'll see if it's the Cardinals or the Pirates. I'd much rather it's the Pirates, believe it or not, the Dodgers. Have a 696 record against the Pirates over the last 14 season. Right. That's what about this season? This season they're four and two against them, so pretty All similar. Right. So they pretty uh, similar. Yeah. So they they just really had the Pirates number, and the Cardinals uh, not so much. So I, I really hope they see the Pirates, but we will see tomorrow. It's going to be hard for the Pirates to beat Wainwright in in St. Louis. Uh, so let's let's go to the a topic that I, I really wanted to talk about. Just a, kind of an abstract topic. Is online poker at its hardest point right now? I can tell you what I think its easiest point was. And that's, I, I would say, the year 2004. A lot of people say 05, 06, 07. I don't agree. I was part of online poker since early in the year 2001. February 2001 was when I first signed on to an online poker site. And... Um, I started to notice it getting easier at the high limits in 2003. That's when there was really... I mean, of course, that was... Um, and that was before Chris Moneymaker won, by the way. It was already starting to get easier in 2003. Somewhat because I was getting better, but also because it, uh, more people were discovering the game. And then after Chris Moneymaker won, then you really had an explosion... And 2004 was the direct result of that explosion, where you have all the people now, all the wannabe Chris Moneymakers online, and a lot of whom don't understand Limit at all, so it was a really good good time for Limit players. And uh, that was my best cash year, and that's when I felt the games were best in cash. By 2005, we still had a lot of fish, but there were a lot more good players that had risen up and become uh, much better than they used to be. And you had to contend with them at the tables to get the fish's money. So, um, you know, 05 was obviously good, too, for online poker, but I, th- I thought online four, 04 was the best for online poker. And we're not really talking about that right now, though. We're not talking about when the best was. We're talking about when one is or was or will be the worst. There's various schools of thought on this. Some people feel that right now it is the hardest it will be because right now... There are very few legal sites, and the ones that exist are only available to Nevada residents right now. Um, Nevada obviously doesn't have a big population, and most of the tourists don't want to spend time in their room playing online poker. Sites like uh, Merge and other legal U.S. sites, illegal U.S. sites, they're still operating. A lot of people don't want to bother with it because it's just uh, too hard to get money on there, too hard to get money off. Uh, credit cards don't work. It's, it's just hard for fish to get money online. And the limits have fallen. People who used to play 200, 400 limit are now playing 10, 20 limit. People who used to play uh, 50, 100, no limit are now playing 3, 6, no limit. So people have stepped down. And those same tough players you had a few years ago at the high limits are now at the 
mid-limit and low-mid-limits. So, I'm talking about online here. So, the question is, will it ever get worse than this? Are we at the worst point, and is it going to get a little bit easier as more online poker rooms show up in the U.S. that are legal within various states? We're having New Jersey come up very soon. Maybe we'll have some others after that. But are we at a worst point where we have a combination of a large pool of skilled players and that they make a high percentage of the total players on the site these days with very few fish because it's hard for fish to get money on. So is right now the worst that it's ever going to be as far as competition? Or might it even get worse as more and more people get good at poker and that maybe some of today's good and great players will be considered mediocre 10 years from now. What do you think? I think as far as like the Nevada sites, it, they're, they're going to get harder. It's not as hard as it's going to be. It's going to get harder as people go broke and as the regulation moves across the United States landscape. It's just going to get tougher because the, the tougher players always get the money in the end and they're going to slowly take all the fish's money. It's the same thing that's happened from whatever, 2003 till now. And on, you know, like on poker stars right now, the games, they get harder and harder every day. I mean, from what people, people tell me still. And from, you know, up until when I was playing on black Friday, every day, they just got tougher and tougher. So, um, I disagree that they're as hard as they're ever going to be right now. It's just going to keep getting tougher and tougher. So you think this is because uh, the the players will keep getting better and the the fish, there's just not going to be enough to uh, support them? Eventually, they're all going to get exterminated, except for the few that have huge bankrolls that can keep reloading or people that continue to punish themselves by depositing their weekly checks, um, you know, into these poker sites. It's just going to, it's going to always get harder and harder. See, this is how I feel about it. I think that... If we could have something like a uh, an online poker site where the masses easily have access, know about it, and can get their money on easily, we will have a, a lesser second boom. When I say lesser, I mean it won't be like 04 again. But where you'll have a lot of people putting money on poker sites who before didn't do it because it was either too hard to do or they were afraid. And if you have a big influx of those people, that will add a lot of fish to the game. And then, even if you're contending with a lot of really good players, with enough fish there, the game will overall improve. Now, where I say we will not ever see again what we had in 04, that goes back to my statement, and I I think it's similar to what you were saying. I've always said the absence of good players at the table is more important than the presence of bad ones as far as what makes a game good. And if you are substantially better than every single person at the table, even if no one at the table is outright bad, if you're substantially better than every single person at that table, you will have a big edge. Whereas if there's you and five other really good players, maybe even one better than you, and then three fish, you may be an expected winner in the game, but you're going to have a lot of variance, 
and it's nowhere near as good of a situation where there's no good players and eight mediocre ones in you. Right. So I found that a lot in 04, where I was able to just be with Fish and nobody else, or be Fish and maybe one other good player. And I would crush those games. I, I still notice today, playing live, that when the pros go home, when it gets late at night, especially Bellagio, the pros love to go home early at Bellagio. I don't know why. Maybe because they play every day, they want some kind of semblance of a normal life. But like, sometimes I'll be in a game that's mediocre Bellagio, and then the pros will go home, and it'll just be me and uh, mediocre players or, or fish, or even if there's no one at the table who's horrible. Once all those pros are gone, I almost always dominate. I have to run really bad to lose at that point, because I hear, I hear you there. Yeah, like like at that point, I just. Not only do I have confidence, but but there's just no one at the table who can contend with me then, whereas before that, there are. Right. You're not going to be giving bets away in stupid spots, and they are. Yeah. So so I don't have anybody I have to go up against that I say, oh, crap, you know, this, this person's going to be very tough. I, there's not a single player at the person who's like that, at the table who's like that. And that is a huge difference for me. And if I look at when I've really done well, both live and online, in cash games, it's always been when the good players were absent. Yes, I've had the few sessions where I ran really well and it didn't matter who was there, but in general, when I'm really winning is when there's an absence of good players. Not so much a presence of terrible ones, but just an absence of good ones. I, I am someone who is very good against bad players. Very good against mediocre players. Uh, and, and that's where my greatest strength has always been. And not everybody can say... There's a lot of great players who are not all that good against bad and mediocre players. They're great against so, other good players, true. but but uh, but against bad and mediocre players, I've always been great. I've always exploited the maximum out of them. Right. And and uh, so that that's where I love to be. And I, I think, unfortunately, we're not going to see that again uh, because there's just too many good players out there now. And uh, so I, I think these will be beatable games again. But now, if they don't market this well enough, or if it just doesn't catch on in big enough states to where it becomes popular with the average person, uh, the games will get even tougher as you get more and more pros. And, and you're just like in a pond, uh, eventually, when all the little fish get eaten, the bigger fish start eating each other. Right. The one thing that helps, though, is a lot of the U.S. pros are living overseas now because they're used to that routine, they're used to those sites... And some of the some of these sites, like in Nevada and in New Jersey, aren't going to offer the the highest limits where some of the best players play. So, I mean, in a way, you know, that could help some people that aren't playing at the very very highest limits. Yeah. Uh, so. So it, it's it's a hard thing to tell, but I I think it's possible that now could be the hardest, but it would for it to not be, or for for it to be the hardest, and for it to get better from this point, we will have to have the masses wanting to play online poker again and actually, not just wanting to, but actually doing it. And uh, if they don't, then it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And obviously, you know, what I'm hoping for and what China Maniacs hoping for, we're, I mean, we're hoping the great games return. And and what I do have optimism for is that even if there's a lot of good players, I am pretty good at figuring out when they're not there, figuring out the schedules of the good players, figuring out when it's most common that good players are absent, and then trying to play at those times. 
and and that's yeah. somewhat how I avoid them. Yeah, that's that's a big part of winning money right there. You know, if, especially if you're playing like six max and like full ring games, then you know you don't want to be on there at the wrong time of the day. If you yeah. get on there at the right time of the day, it's it's like it's like hitting a scratch off almost. Yeah, you know? a six max. If you get a six max with no good players in there, then you can just clean up. Right. You really can. Of course, if you run bad, you won't. But if you if you even run average, you can clean up in those games. If it's a six max and you're the only good player there, so that's that's the type of situation I love. Uh, with nine max, a little harder because it's uh, there. There's always someone who gets dealt good cards and. Right. More people seeing flops. Better. You know, you can go through streaks where you lose so many hands. Yeah, and like and it's just premiums. with yeah. nine people, you have nine people getting dealt cards. You're going to have frequently where one has a very good hand and you have to be- beat that somehow. So, uh, anyway, I-, I thought it was an interesting discussion topic about, uh, you know, where is online poker now compared to later? Like, in 10 years, how are we going to look at the difficulty of online poker in 2013? Will we say, oh, wow, I wish I could go back to 2013 and play. It was so much easier back then. Or will we say... Oh wow, boy, that was tough. I, I I should have not even played. I should have. I wish I could know that you know ten years later the games would be this easy. Like I I hope that's what I'll be saying. So. Uh, I just hope we get federal legislation. I'm stuck here in Massachusetts, so. Yeah, I I know, or or, or at least enough states that cooperate, and uh, you know whatever state you're in is one of them. Yeah, I think I'm going to be fortunate with that because I'm pretty sure Massachusetts wants to hop on board with somebody. Yeah, that's good. So, well, I hope it happens for hope you. It, hope it happens. So I'm going to try to call someone right now. I don't know if he's going to answer the phone, but it's a, it's a listener of this show. I'm going to try to call him, and he's going to give us an alternate report on this AG400 issue at the ARIA. If you remember last week, we called the ARIA. We got an employee to tell us that this... AG400 sign on the high limit room is referring to uh, the initials of a high limit player who plays there. Why they decided to put his initials up there, I don't know. He must have donated some money or something. I'll tell you what, if if this guy um, that you're going to call can't figure it out or we can't get this figured out, we're going to have to contact Brandon. This is a perfect thing for... I bet you Brandon could figure this thing out and like in two hours. Yeah, he, I, I should ask him. Maybe he already knows. All right, so we're going to call this guy here who is not a Vegas insider. He's a Vegas visitor who spoke to them about this because he heard our last show about it. And he got a different answer than we did. We heard that AG400, AG are the initials, and 400 is the buy-in to the game that the guy plays. If this guy doesn't answer, I'll tell you what he said. Hello. Oh, I hung up on him because I thought he was. Uh, I was sure that was a voicemail. I didn't want like his phone number to get out there. Let's try it again. Now he won't answer. Watch. Hello. Oh, there we are, Matt the Rat. Hello, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Hello. Yes. Hey. Yeah. Hi. So this is. Uh, this... Away from the table. Oh, sorry, sorry. I didn't want to take it away from the table. I just wanted to ask you about uh, what you were told at the ARIA regarding AG400. 
Yeah, well, I talked to a couple different dealers, and some are saying they're not allowed in on the secret. One guy told me it was a Forbes 400 list owner and that it was the initials of a high limit player, And but no one's, like, given any more than that. Some people seem like they know, but they don't really tell you anything. Now, this, 400, this Forbes 400, you're saying this person owns a Forbes 400 company? Something to do with either they own or a major, like a major president or something of that, like that. Like a I big see. player, either the owner or a major person in that company. And is this someone just guessing at it, or did they really have information that that's what the 400 is about? He, he, seemed, he seemed like he knew what he was talking about. That's what he said he was told, but, you know, they can't, he couldn't guarantee it. But he said that's, he was pretty sure that's what it was. Because we, we have two very different stories, you know, the 400... What you just said, and the four hundred of it being the buy-in to the game the guy plays, four hundred thousand. So yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, and I mentioned that actually. I was there earlier today at the area, and I mentioned that. And uh, the one dealer said, "Well, I'm not sure about it." He said it, that might be, but he wasn't sure. So I don't know. Mm. Kind of weird. Well, all right. Well, I'd, I'll let you get back to your game. I just wanted to have it come from the horse's mouth here. What you you were told uh, at the area, and thank you for doing this little research here yeah. for this uh, this show. Okay, yeah, Cletus and I are playing at the Venetian right now, so at the tournament. Okay, I don't want to take you from a tournament. All right, well, good luck there. Yeah. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Uh, Matt the Rat, very nice guy. It brings, like, Canadian stuff when he comes out to Vegas in the summer and gives it to me and Brandon. Uh, like, Canadian food products you can't get in the U.S. And, uh, yeah, so he went and asked about this because he heard this show. He listens every week. And I, I don't know what to say. Uh, I... I because we've talked about it so much, I just want to know. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I think it's a 400k buy-in. It's, it just, it might not be, but I don't think they would tell us it's a 400k buy-in if it wasn't. You, you know that also, and playing live, they always come up with nicknames for people. I, I, I know this from being a live cash player myself, and uh, I'm trying to think what nicknames they give people. Um, uh, sometimes they'll say like. Uh, like let's say there's two people with the initials uh, JY. Uh, they'll, they'll call one guy uh, uh, bearded JY or old JY, or young JY. It's like they always they 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 add little things onto it so you can tell one from the other. Uh, it's almost like a poker site screen name. Yeah, yeah. So so and, and they usually you see everybody's initials, but you'll hear like they'll you'll you'll hear them calling the person like JY. JY, your seat's open at 4080, JY, and then you see who JY is, and then you get to know that, okay, this is JY. So then if there's two JYs, then you have to start differentiating them. So I could totally see this AG guy, if he's always buying in for 400000 if there's another AG that plays there, uh, they refer to him as AG400, because it's a guy named AG who always shows up with 400 k So that makes more sense than that he's a CEO of a Fortune 400 com- company. It's just... Why would he get his name on the room, though? That's I can't figure out. I I don't know if it. Maybe he's a big time fish, and they're just doing it to make him feel good. Like, uh, oh, AG four hundred, what's up? And then they like, you know, they talk someone into putting that up there just to honor him because he's lost so much money. Not, be, you know, that's not what they tell him, but just you know because they like him. Like, uh, you know, we we uh, we think you're such a cool guy. You play this so often, we're going to put your name up there. That gets your room too, just like Ivy's. Like maybe right. it's like that. Maybe it's to make a fish happy. Maybe he he bribed someone there. He wanted his name up there. Uh, some of these you gamblers. Got, you, I was going to ask you. Do you have Jr. Do you have Jrb's number? Oh, I should try to find it. I, I you know I've I've interviewed him before. 
he is a good one to ask. Because I've interviewed him before on uh, previous shows, and, and he and I have always had a, a good relationship. We're not close friends or anything, but uh, uh, we've always gotten along well. And uh, I don't think he would give it up, but because they seem to be being so secretive, and he has a lot of pull over there, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'll see if we can find this out. If we can't find this out, maybe we will call JRB, and uh, Jean-Robert Balland is what we're referring to, and, and see if we can find out the mystery of uh, this AG400. Just just because the mystery's been started, now, now it has to be solved, otherwise it's like a cliffhanger. It almost sounds like a grade of like high grade marijuana or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You get me some AG four hundred. <laughs> I, I see Boston's still up two to one here in the ninth. All right, they've just got to barely hold on here, and they will uh, win the All series right. and move on to either Oakland or Detroit. Well, they got the best relief pitcher on the mound right now. He blew it the other night, but let's see if he can get it done tonight. This guy's statistics are like out of this world this year. If you Get a chance to take a look at them. It's just uh, absolutely amazing the season this guy had. Hmm. What was the RA? Do you know? Um, I could pull it up right now. Got it right in front of me. All right. Um, All right. ERA, 0.85. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Oh, wait a minute. No, not 0.85. Hold on one second. Uh, That was a different stat. 1.09. Oh, yeah. That's still amazing. 101 strikeouts in 74 innings, and I think his whip was like .6 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, wow. that, that's a killer. Yeah. I, I tell you, some of those relief pitchers that pitch only for one inning, these closers, they, they come out and they just uh, they can just blow everyone away because it's a lot different to pitch one inning than it is right. to pitch nine or, or mm-hmm. six. So so you you just expend all your energy into that one inning, and you can if you have the stuff, you can just kill people. I mean, it's just it's right. amazing watching these great hitters get overmatched by these relievers. Yeah. Right, and they haven't had a chance to see them the entire game. They come in, you know, they're used to, they've already seen two or three pitchers, and then, you know, you get this guy coming in late in the game who's just lights out, and, you know, it's tough to pick up their stuff. So, okay, uh, let's move on to the next topic. The Oh, let's talk about the thing that's not on the agenda, but definitely something that is... Uh, Worth discussing, the Silk Road bust. That was a surprising thing to find out about. This happened shortly after the last show we had last week, so it's actually a few days old now, this story. But uh, for those of you that don't know, Silk Road is, or shall I say was, an online marketplace where you could pretty much buy or sell anything, including guns, Drugs, or even people who supposedly would uh, commit crimes for hire, on uh, and you you get paid by bitcoins. We've talked about that before on this show, but uh, let's let's take a break for a second here and take a call. Call you around the air. Oh, you're not. Never mind. We had a call. I didn't get to it in time, so we'll continue talk, talking about Silk Road. Uh, so so. You get to Silk Road not through traditional means of going to a website. You don't just go to silkroad.com. You would have to get the Tor browser and enter a really weird URL that you can only access through the Tor browser. And they refer to that as the the Undernet. And uh, it, it was a way to 
give you a further level of anonymity when you're visiting Silk Road. So it becomes very hard to track the users on Silk Road and Silk Road itself. And this is, of course, because of the illegal materials that are being sold on there. Uh, it was not known how much money, how much how many transactions were going through on Silk Road, how much money was being spent on there. But it turned out that they were doing $1.2 billion of sales every year. Now, they weren't making that much every year, but that's how much in sales was pushed through every year on Silk Road. It's a lot of dough. And a lot more than it was ever imagined. It was vastly, vastly underestimated. Uh, and a lot of these Bitcoin people are... A lot of people who are hardcore into Bitcoins are very anti-government, super freedom of speech, uh, super, like, anarchist types. Pretty much saying, whatever laws you have don't apply to me. The government shouldn't control currency. The government shouldn't control anything. I can do what I want. You can't tell me what I can do. Uh, And then, a lot of them in addition to feeling like a, a moral Hello. imperative... Hang, hang on here. Hang on. We have a caller on here. In, in addition to feeling a moral imperative to go against what the government tells them to do, they also sometimes will get a, a belief that they are smarter than the government, that they, they can do whatever they want and not get caught. But before we continue discussing that, caller, you're on the air. Is this Delaware by any chance? Yes, it is. How are you doing, Drew? Hello, Delaware. So, what are you calling about this evening? Uh, what's this new format you got for, like, when I'm reading about something, I got to go to the dates up there in the corners, and I can't find nothing. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> in other words, they don't run straight down anymore. They're at the top, and then you go from 720-something, and you work your way down to the newer dates. I, I think what you're seeing on the forum is the sticky threads on top, and then if you go past a few of those, you'll see all the threads from newest down to oldest, just like it's always been on all the sites you've been on. Uh, okay, it's just I'm, I'm not, I'm, when I go to the bottom, it just seems like go to next thread. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about go to the next thread. I would just look, just go to the Flying Stupidity Forum, for example. It's the, you'll see a list of topics on there on the front page, except for the first few, like starting from like the fourth one down. The, that's sort of like the newest ones on top, then the second newest is below that, down, 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 all the way to you know gets older and older, and that's the other thing I wanted to ask you was, do you think being known as well known as you are hurts you when you play? You know, I, I I think in online poker it does because people know my style because the limit community is relatively small. So for that reason, I use different names now on every site I play on. And that's why I never made my ultimate poker screen name known to the public. I, I just don't want people who have any uh, memory of playing me being able to use things against me. I, I don't want to give away that information. So I didn't know if you thought it hurt you live or not. Uh, live, not as you much. Uh, and Because at least live, I know them too. So I mean, your strategy is just solid, but uh, it's surprising when you made that afternoon thing after you messed up the night before, and then you surprised me when you're like five stars at all these places, and I didn't think you played that much online at all. 
Well, no, I was talking. I, I wasn't talking about online. I was talking about uh, about uh, seven stars at uh, at Caesars, which is a different story. Well, I thought oh, that uh, you get a top rating at all these uh, online. Things. No, no, no. I'm not playing online I didn't poker. Know it wasn't because your bracelet or what? No, or no, what, no. Bracelet I, I winner or not? No, no. I I I play uh, ultimate poker sometimes, but that's it. Other than that, I, I don't play online anymore. You don't play online anymore. Except, except for you, ultimate poker. Do you poker. play much live stuff? Uh, some I mean, here and there. Like not, not, so nothing. Yeah, nothing like I used it's to. Because shocked, of, man. yeah, because of my uh, my child, I don't play as much as I used to. Yeah, well, that's what I was wondering. I, I said, uh, I think he's so busy. I don't know how he plays too much anymore, yeah. like he used to. He used to go out of town and everything and play. Yeah, might yeah. be gone a week or two. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Uh, I don't play anywhere near what I used to. So anyway, good to hear from you, Delaware. Um, it's uh, okay. You take care. Nice to Keep hear up from you. Good work. You might get Player of the Year. I don't know. Sean's after you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Delaware. Up, Delaware? Well, you held it for four, you held it for fourteen years, so that's pretty good. All right. Very good. We'll see if you make fifteen. All right. All right, buddy. Take care. Right. Thank you. Take care, Delaware. So that was uh, Delaware, long-time listener to our site, and uh, I always like having him call in because it uh, it really pleases the uh, young demographic that listens listen to the show. So, Gotta love Delaware. Guy's a legend. <laughs> he is a legend. So a- anyway, uh, talking again about Silk Road, and, uh, you know, I... As I was saying, a lot of it's amazing to me how a lot of these people who are breaking the law with doing things like selling drugs over the internet through something like Silk Road believe that because they haven't been caught over a year or two years, that they're just never going to be caught. That they're just too smart. The government can't catch them. And not only that, that bitcoins are so stable that the government, if they wanted to, could never shut them down. Could never throw a huge wrench into the Bitcoin for money industry and uh, to the point where Bitcoins would be almost worthless. And right. uh, I, I hear all these delusional statements that this is untouchable by the government, that uh, Silk Road, there's no way the government will ever find out who you are, that uh, it, it's all so secure, it's on the internet, it's uh, through the Tor browser, it's being, uh, uh, your traffic is being distributed through so many different nodes, there's no way they can catch you, blah, 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 blah. Well, the problem is people underestimate the ability that the government has, not just their technical ability, but their ability to take over anything they want to take over. They they have a lot of leverage to force ISPs to work with them, or even not force them, sometimes, sometimes just say, hey, we, we want access to this, and the ISP backs down and says, yes, sure. Um, you know, the FBI comes to you, with a warrant, or even sometimes without a warrant, is asking for assistance, uh, a lot of companies just want to give it. They don't want to say, no FBI, we're, we're going to fight you. A lot of them just say, we, we don't want the trouble, just you know, get the criminals, do what you want. Yeah, and all they need is a shred of, shred of, one little shred of any kind of evidence, and they have the resources to just go as far and as long as they have to, to get and, whatever they need. And a lot of times it's the simple things that nail you. Um, I'll get, give you an example not about the government, but just something from someone I once dealt with online in his chat room. This guy, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but this guy was like like one of my biggest enemies ever on, on the internet. And like it, it went beyond like, it wasn't like me insulting him and him insulting me. 
it was someone who I was calling out for being a liar and misrepresenting himself, and he hated me for that reason. Turned out I was right, but he hated me for that reason. And he started to do a lot of things to screw with my real life. And the worst thing was, even though I knew he was lying about everything he was presenting himself to be, I didn't know who he was. I just knew what he was saying wasn't true, but I didn't know, I could, I had no way to figure out who this guy was. And for a long time, he was so careful and did not screw a single thing up, and there was no way I could figure out who he was. He trusted nobody, even his close online friends he wouldn't give his real identity to. I thought I'd never figure it out. Well, this was back in the 90s, and uh, back in the 90s it wasn't as easy to get uh, web space if you want to run a web page. You know, you get like some kind of finite amount of storage for your images and stuff. So he started making this elaborate web page with all this music and other crap on it, and he ran out of space. And he said, hmm, I ran out of space. It's going to cost me $2 a month more to buy more space for my internet service provider for this web page. He's like, you know what? My stepdad, he has an account. He never uses his web space. I'll just use my, my stepdad's web space. No one will ever be able to tell. Well, one day I did a view source on his page. And I saw that a few of the images were being held, hosted elsewhere. And I was able to find out the name that was attached to that account was being hosting for those few images. Realized it had to be someone he knew. And then, from there, took the whole thing apart and found out who, exactly who he was. All because the guy didn't want to spend $2 a month. And the reason I bring up that story is because... This is pretty much what happens to people who think they're anonymous on the internet. There are so many little things you can screw up that you think are so trivial. Just little trivial decisions you make every day that will get you caught if the government wants to catch you because they have so many resources. So let me give an example of one that happened recently related to uh, the Tor browser and uh, the undernet. Uh, There were a number of child porn sites that were being run through a certain uh, web host that was running uh, on the internet there. And people felt they were safe. All these perverts, all these child molesters, or wannabe child molesters, child porn collectors, felt they were safe to distribute and trade child porn and download child porn because, hey, it's the Tor browser. It's got to be safe. These websites are on the internet. They've got to be safe. Well... Rather than try to track down people through the complicated web of nodes on the Tor browser, the FBI said, we're going to do something simpler and easier and very effective. They, 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 found, they, they took over the internet provider of, um, of those sites. You know, they found out who was behind them. Then they took them over. They found out who was actually providing the server space. Went to that company and said, hey, this guy, this customer is using your server space to run child porn. Let us take over. Company said, sure. You know, we're not going to protect some child porn pervert. So they took over these sites. They put up a page saying, site down for maintenance on every single one of the sites hosted by that guy. Well, that looks very harmless. You go to get your daily child porn, says site down for maintenance, okay, no big deal. 
Even when it turned out later on the guy was busted, everyone assumed, well, that's just what the FBI put up there as they were busting him. No. The FBI actually knew of an exploit in the Firefox browser, which is what you have to use if you use Tor. They used an exploit to grab the MAC address off of your machine. What is a MAC address? A MAC address is a uh, it's an independent it, it's a uh, unique identifier for each uh, um, basically each computer that uh, that has a, uh, a network card has its own MAC address. Each device on the network has its own MAC address. That's how devices are identified on any network. So each computer has its own MAC address. You can do things to spoof the MAC address, but uh, most people don't. Most people don't see a need to. So they wrote an exploit into this fake web page saying site down for maintenance that would grab the user's real MAC address and then would bypass Tor and send that MAC address over to FBI headquarters in Virginia. And when it does that, they get your IP. So now the FBI has a big list of every IP of all the people who went to go download that child porn and their MAC addresses. Now, why do they need the MAC address? Well, if they ever decide to arrest these people, now these people can't claim, oh, someone hacked my router. It was some guy who got access to my router. It must have been my neighbor. It wasn't me. All my IP address means it was my router, but the, a lot of people could have used my router. I didn't protect my router. Blah, 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 blah. Well... That doesn't work if they have your MAC address, too. Because all they have to do is seize your laptop. And if your laptop MAC address matches what your laptop sent to them, then they've matched your computer positively. And now they know for sure that you, not just some guy on your router, went to the child porn sites. So they have that for everyone. They have every name now, because they had the IP addresses and and, uh, cross-referenced that with... uh, who had the lease on the IP addresses from that from the internet service service providers that they uh, contacted? They have a list of all the IP addresses, all the names, and all the MAC addresses of the computers used by these guys getting child porn. And it all happened through the supposedly safe undernet, through the Tor browser. And the guy who was running those sites is in jail now too. The the people visiting are not in jail, but uh, now the FBI knows who they are. So it turns out, not surprisingly, they also had an end to Silk Road. But was unbelievable, what did you picture for Silk Road, China Maniac, before you knew who it was behind Silk Road? This guy calling himself uh, Dread Pirate Roberts uh, uh, after the Princess Bride movies. What did you picture when you thought of who owned Silk Road? Where did you think he lived, and what did you think his story was? I never really thought about it too much, um, but it didn't surprise me on who it was. I know it surprised a lot of people, but it, it really didn't shock me much that it was who it was. Really, to me, it surprised me because I always pictured it was some guy living in some faraway place where there aren't very strong laws about this sort of thing to where if the government ever found out who he was, it'd be very difficult to go after him. He wasn't. He was living in the U.S. He was a 29-year-old guy living in the U.S. But even more shocking is the fact that the FBI actually visited him in July and and interviewed him about Silk Road. Right. So you'd think at that point, and he had made so much money, he made $80 million off this, you'd think at this point he would get up and immediately find a way to leave the country and go somewhere where they can't get him and never come back. 
I mean, sure, it, it sucks to have to leave your home and go to some foreign country that you really don't want to be, but it's better than being in prison. Right. And this guy, and he's probably going to get all his money confiscated, too. Uh, so... They probably questioned him, and since they didn't do anything, he was probably like, oh, that was easy. They'll never <laughs> yeah. get me, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, anyway, the government, it turns out they've, they've been monitoring Silk Road. They've even, you know, had accounts on Silk Road making transactions. Um, it's unknown how much they picked off over all this time, but they didn't just, like, get access to Silk Road and then take it all down. They they sat there and, and watched it take place for two years. And And the amazing thing about how this guy got caught... So, there's a story on 2 Plus 2 a while back that um, the Absolute Poker guys like Scott Tom were making really, really obvious shill posts on 2 Plus 2 about Absolute, saying, wow, this Absolute Poker promotion this month is really great. I can't wait to go on and play there. And, like, it was so obvious it was an employee there, and it turned out it was actually the the owners doing it. And at the time, people were kind of, like, scratching their heads, wondering, like, how guys who were smart enough to set up a major online poker site could be so done, dumb with this obvious shilling that no one's ever going to believe. Well, right. we had it again with Silk Road. Silk Road got put up in early 2011, or at least that's when it was starting to get publicized. And a guy named Altoid showed up on a forum called Shroomery. Shroomery is a uh, uh, a site where a lot of uh, drug users get together and uh, discuss different things. So he posted on the Shroomery forum asking questions about a new service called Silk Road where you can buy things with Bitcoins, including drugs. And he wasn't saying, hey, this is my service. He wasn't saying, hey, I heard about this. Why don't you guys start using it? It was like, hey, I heard about Silk Road. Uh, You can do this on there. You can do that on there. But what do you think? Do you think it's safe? Do you think I should use it? Uh, Check it out and let me know what you think. But it it was a very obvious post. He actually puts the whole address. Like, So what do you guys think? Well, here's the address. Go check it out and tell me what you think. Right. He actually ended the, the message with, let me know what you think. Then a week right. later, he showed back up again, made a very similar post, and again ended with, let me know what you think. Then Altoid went dormant for nine months. He posted in January 2011. He didn't post again until October 2011. Now, by then, in October 2011, Silk Road was, was jumping. and it was, uh, it was already starting to really take off. Uh, but he needed more programmers because it was growing and he, he needed some help. So you would have thought that uh, he would have found some some way to get a hold of some programmers and see who might be interested in working on something like this kind of, uh, you know, anonymously. Kind of put a feelers out there, see who he might be able to hire for this, who might be, he might be able to trust, but no. Altoid shows up on the same forum where he only has two posts both trying to get people to look at Silk Road before anyone knew about Silk Road. Shows up nine months later and says, hey, I'm looking for some programmers on a, a an exciting new Bitcoin project I have. Uh, if you are interested and you have interest and you have uh, experience in this, uh, in programming sites uh, involving Bitcoin commerce or whatever he said, email me. And his email address was his real name at gmail.com. It wasn't even something like like Altoid1985 at Gmail. It was actually just his his real, full, legal name at gmail.com is who you email to go work on Silk Road. He didn't name Silk Road there, but his only two prior posts were about Silk Road, and it was before anyone knew about Silk Road. 
I, I mean, how stupid could you be? Yeah, it's just an absolute idiot. I mean, how do you, you... I mean, he just left the trail there, and I mean, that's the thing with the government. The government, little things like that, they were probably just waiting for something like that to come along where, you know, and they, like I said, they have the resources to, to monitor all this, and they probably combed over every site on the Internet just trying to find... Little, little things, and they see this, and they're like, hey, we got the jackpot. Right? Yeah, yeah, because you think about the investigative process to figure out who is behind Silk Road. You say, okay, well, Silk Road had to start somewhere. People didn't just magically wake up and say, oh, I want to buy drugs on the Internet, and I know I have to go to Silk Road. You found out about Silk Road from someone. So what you want to do is find what they call the patient zero. You want to find the originator, the very first person on the Internet ever to mention Silk Road. And then you'll know either who owns it or who is one of the important people in founding it. And you, you find the first person to ever mention it on the internet, and you've done that. So they searched it out. They found the very first mention they could find of it was on this shroomery by this Altoid guy. They saw this Altoid guy was not a regular poster, so he wasn't like really asking about what, what to do about Silk Road. All he had an interest in doing was showing up, finding a clever way to spam Silk Road on there, and then leaving for nine months, and then comes back nine months later and is asking for programmers to help him with his real name up there. I mean, the guy made himself so obvious. And, I mean, how could you possibly connect that with your real name? How could he be so stupid to use that same Altoid name again? He could have just changed his name. Right. You know, he, he didn't have to be uh, Altoid. He, he could have been, uh, I, I don't know, he could have been uh, Chicklets. You know, it's, it, could have, it could have been anything. It's just, uh, why use the name Altoid again? But this is not someone who thought he was reckless or thought that no matter what he does, the government couldn't touch him. He actually did an interview with Forbes in August of this year and wouldn't even tell the Forbes people who he was and had all these uh, all of these restrictions on the interview regarding what kind of access they would have to him because he was so paranoid. He said, the government's after me. The government's looking for me. And he was right, they were. But how does he forget that dumb mistake he made under Altoid? And so the problem is, and, and just like the problem was with a guy who was screwing with me back in the 90s, it is hard to live your life day in, day out, and not make one mistake. Right. It is so hard. And when you have a government body, of the United States government, you have the FBI actively looking for you, actively looking for even the slightest slip-up you made, that could open the floodgates of information on you to them. It's very hard to live your life for years and not make that one mistake. You could think you're being so careful and something dumb like a post on a forum under a name Altoid is what gets you. I'm sure this guy didn't remember that he did this. I'm sure he never even considered that that would be his undoing. But it is so hard to get away with things like this, to make zero mistakes and... A lot of times people put too much faith in the technology. People put too much faith in the Tor browser, in Silk Road, in those child porn sites they were visiting. They think they're anonymous just because you're told it's anonymous. You're given some technological explanation for why it sounds like it should work. And then you neglect other methods that could be used to unmask you. The people who thought they were safe through the Tor browser, didn't think, well, what if the FBI knows a, an exploit through Firefox, and what if they could take over one of the web pages I visit and force that upon my computer then find out who I am? There's all kinds of things like that. You'll never think of them all. Yeah, there's always something that comes up. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, so if he didn't make this one mistake, do you think they wouldn't have probably caught him, right? Um, I mean, they might have another way, but I mean, it's it, it seems like there was probably a dead end here. Well, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, there was another story about him trying to get IDs from Canada to to buy more servers, which is also really strange. Like, you know, do you, do you, do you really have to? If you're willing to pay a premium, you can pretty much get anything done. Like, did he really have to go through this reckless way of getting eight different fake IDs? Like, he, he, well, he was probably buying them off Silk Road, so it was probably <laughs> you know, he probably thought there's no way I'm going to get caught here. And I I don't know why anyone would who wants these type of things to be secret and not discovered by the government. Why you'd ever have it sent international mail because they they scrutinize that mail a lot more than domestic mail. So that's another mistake yeah. he made was those those fake IDs that were sent to him, and then um, in a cross border check between Canada and the U.S., they found that fake IDs are being sent and looked into that. So I, I, I have to imagine he would have been caught eventually anyway. Maybe he would have been already caught now as well, even without the Altoid mistake. But that was just an example of an amazingly stupid, boneheaded mistake by someone who thought they were being so careful. And I'm just telling everybody here who listens to this show, they may never go after the users of Silk Road or the users of these child porn sites, but they also might, and they also might keep files on you to where if you do anything in the future, you get busted for drugs in the future, they'll pull out uh, the fact that you were visiting Silk Road. You get right. busted for child porn in the future. I'm not trying to advise child molesters how to dodge getting caught, but I'm just uh, just saying here, anything that you're doing that they have tracked and haven't arrested you for yet, that doesn't mean they can't use it against you in the future. And uh, it, it just you should not put so much faith either... Legally, meaning, you know, don't think they'll never catch me, they can't catch me, I'm anonymous. No, they're just too powerful. They just have too many resources at their disposal, too many organizations willing to cooperate with them, and it's also just too damn hard to not make a mistake or to trust others that the technology they claim is protecting you really does not have holes in it. So you you really have to be careful with things like that and... and uh, I knew something like this would eventually happen, and it's going to keep happening. And I'm telling you what the future of Bitcoin is going to be. It's not going to be the exciting world currency of the future. It's not going to be the anarchist dream of currency. One day, the U.S. government is going to decide they've had enough. And they're going to attack Mt. Gox, which is the biggest exchange of uh, Bitcoin for real money. They're going to attack the other uh, smaller Bitcoin exchange sites, and once those go down, then that's it. Then everyone's going to want to get rid of their Bitcoins for pennies. Right. Because... It'll be like lock poker all over again. Right, just like lock poker, but even worse. The only reason Bitcoins have a value is because they're perceived value, because other people are willing to pay for that. Once other people are not willing to pay, once the confidence in it is gone, so is the value for Bitcoin. Right now I'm looking... $137. That's great. Okay, It's been stable in the low to mid 100s for quite some time. But that's not going to be long term. It's short term. And even though Silk Road did not really impact the Bitcoin prices for more than a few hours, if the government wants to do away with Bitcoin being traded as real money, they will. And they can. It's very easy. Because all they have to do is make everyone panic and sell. And it's done. The question is, do they want to? Do you think do you think they're actively working on that? I think they I think they want to, but they just don't 
feel a need to do it right now. Maybe just like they observed Silk Road for two years before busting it. Maybe they're observing bitcoins to see what they can get. Maybe they think they can catch terrorists with bitcoins. Maybe they feel they can catch drug dealers or child molesters. Maybe they say this is actually a great tool for us in law enforcement if we can secretly get in and watch everyone, watch all the, the, the criminal elements using these bitcoins to trade with one another. Why close that off and make them go underground again? Right. If we have a visibility. So so maybe they're keeping it up for the visibility. And, and this is not far-fetched. This isn't conspiracy crap. This is exactly the type of stuff the FBI does. And so just just don't think you're safe with this. And, right. and I, for people that bought stuff off Silk Road and stuff like that, I mean, they could... They probably have a watch list of everybody, and they're just watching and waiting. And you know, maybe they'll just do one day, just do a humongous sting and just bust a lot of people. You know? Yeah, you, you never know. And so, if if you bought drugs like once off Silk Road, I don't think the FBI is going to come knock at your door. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, I I think it's good to stay away from sites like that, unless you're buying things that are that are harmless that are not they're not going to go after. But you know. You start buying illegal drugs, illegal guns, things like that. You're gonna, um, you're just putting a target on your back for the government to go after you one day. And the last thing you want, especially with the gun stuff, is to be branded some sort of terrorist or domestic terrorist. Uh, that that would really be a mess for reasons I don't even have to mention. So uh, it's just best to stay away from that stuff. If if you want to collect bitcoins as part of a you know the cute little science project that it is and trade them or hope they go up in value and sell them, then great. You know, that's uh, not going to hold that against you. It's kind of a form of gambling. Do it. You know, you may get screwed one day, but, uh, you know, maybe it'll shoot up before it it, uh, finally crashes and you'll make some money. But uh, I'm not advising it, but uh, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying don't, don't use bitcoins as a way to commit crimes or to buy highly illegal merchandise thinking that there's no way you'll ever be found or caught because you might be. So that's uh that's that's my feeling on that. Yeah, I'll never understand like this guy he you know, he obviously thought he was untouchable, but this happens all the time. People they get so big, they have so much money. Why not just get out like when's when's the point to get out when you're doing something illegal? You know what I mean? Like what do you think like all right Let's just stop this and just take the money and just live the rest of your life, you know, however you want to. You know, everybody was was saying that. Why did this guy not take this, the eighty million he made and run off? Why didn't he just say, "Okay, I'm done. I, I'll, I'll hand this." You know, he called himself Dread Pirate Roberts, which is a uh, a character from the movie The Princess Bride. And actually, Dread Pirate Dread Pirate Roberts, that character. Uh, was revealed to be one who keeps passing down the name to other people who take over when he's sick of it. So this would have been perfect to go along with the Dread Pirate Roberts theme Then when he's made his $80 million, he thinks he has enough money for life many times over, get out, move somewhere else, and uh, you know, hand it over to someone else to keep running and let it be their problem. I, I just... It's the same thing that happens with drug dealers. You know, they just keep Going and going and going, and eventually they get popped. Yeah. You know, someone asking in chat, do you think this this guy would uh, never plea bargain and walk and give away Silk Road info like that Daniel Svetkov guy did to processors? He's referring to Daniel Svetkov, who uh, you know, gave away a lot of information regarding uh, 
the entire online poker and payment processing industries when he got busted after he stole a uh, hundred million dollars from them, and uh, and was arrested for, for the payment processing by the FBI, and then he went back and ratted out on people. Um, he might, you know, he might give away what he knows if it's going to reduce his sentence. He, he could be looking at some severe time here, given how many illegal drug and gun transactions his site facilitated and knowingly facilitated. So, uh, someone else saying in chat, this will make a great American Greed episode on CNBC. I agree. That there probably will be one. It was actually major news. It was on the front page of the Times. It was, it was really everywhere. So, um, something that really hasn't been everywhere has been the movie Runner Runner, which has <laughs> been getting uh, bad reviews and, and really not a lot of audience in the U.S. It somehow got $23 million in its first week around the world, aside from the U.S., and the U.S. only $7 million, which is a terrible opening weekend for a major movie. You know, it's just because of Affleck and Timberlake's star power that all the non-U.S. people will probably like, this is going to be a great movie. Yeah, that is why. It's, it is amazing that, uh, and I know we have a lot of foreign listeners, I'm not trying to put you guys down, but it is amazing how a lot of countries outside the U.S., a lot of their citizens are mesmerized by U.S. superstars and just like, will flock to a movie just because it has that star. Right. Where, where in the U.S., like, it seems like people in the U.S., if they hear the movie sucks, just don't want to go. And, like, people in the U.S., there's a lot of dumb people in the U.S. You see these uh, uh, little memes all the time on the Internet of some really idiotic people. Uh, and there are there's a lot of idiotic people in the U.S., but uh, I will say, as far as, like, not being starstruck, the U.S. is probably better than a lot of the foreign countries where if a movie's crappy, they, people just don't want to go, whereas a lot of the foreign countries, if uh, as you said, if they've got the stars, the people show up for them. So... Um, Here's a review from a guy who's a pretty good poster on our site called uh, Ryback Feed Me More. And uh, he went with his wife because of Justin Timberlake. I guess he likes Justin Timberlake. So he went and he says, yeah, you know, I'm a poker player, so why not? So uh, these were his observations. The timeline is completely fucked up in this movie. They show headlines that, unless I'm going blind, even mention the recent U.S. attorney's crackdown on the Russian gambling ring, which just happened uh, you know, last year or this year. It was this year, actually. So he's saying that uh, this doesn't make sense, that the, the timeline is wrong. But, yeah, okay, fine. I, I don't care about that. They, they always take liberties with things like the timeline. This wasn't supposed to be real events. Number two... Yes, Justin Timberlake's character goes to Costa Rica over a super user issue, and then they somehow turn it into a full-tilt Ponzi issue where the boss is siphoning money off the site and planning to leave Justin Timberlake holding the bag. By the way, don't listen to this part if you don't want the movie given away. Or one second. The the best part about this movie is it says, based on a true story. Yeah, I know. That is funny. And it's like, well, what, what, that online poker is real? Is that, like, the true story? (laughs) There was cheating in online poker. That's pretty much it. Uh, Three... Justin Timberlake's character with the last name of First is not lost on me. I didn't know that, that the character's last name is First. Uh, along with the whole Midnight Black, Black Card, this seems like more of an indictment of Full Tilt Poker than the UB scandal, as UB is mentioned by name in the movie when they're trying to steal players from some, quote, super affiliate. <laughs> so I, it, it's funny how they just drop these in here, that they called UB a super affiliate, and uh, and then they made the character's last name First, of course, referring to Rafe First 
who was one of the main owners of Full Tilt. Uh, then number four, it's too bad the assholes from UB and AP didn't get the swerve rendition treatment Affleck got in the end. Uh, I'm not sure what he's referring to. And where the fuck was Justin Timberlake and that hot chick going in the private jet? Antigua, who knows? So I guess I gave away the whole movie. But uh, he says, okay, overall, glad it was a cheap Twilight matinee, so it didn't spend too much. Um, spent under $15 for both of us. Knowing Druff's reading on this, go if you want. It's okay for matinee prices. Otherwise, just wait for the free DVD. Uh, so, and then another guy, Don Crusher, said, went to see this film. It was okay, but an entertaining film. Ben Affleck and Justin Timberlake acting in this movie was decent. I dislike how most people think that every movie that comes out has to be Oscar award-winning film. Some movies, such as this one, are not going to be the greatest, but will be entertaining. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe this Ryback Feed Me More is irritated because he knows online poker very well, and, and this, uh, a lot of this didn't make sense to him being very knowledgeable about the industry, uh, just the same reason doctors hate watch, watching shows like Grey's Anatomy. So right. so I, I thought, okay, maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe this Don Crusher was watching it more just from the standpoint of just, I want to watch an entertaining movie, and I'll just forget what I know about online poker. So, however, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, which is a, like an aggregate site of, of reviews of uh, different uh, professional movie reviewers, and then they give it a, a rating of how many positively reviews it. And this got a horrendous rating of 8%, meaning 8% of the reviews that they counted liked it. 92 didn't. The actual count was 8 liked it, 91 did not. So it's 8 point something percent. Uh, to compare this to the ratings of current movies out at the moment, Gravity 97%, uh, cloudy with a chance of whatever, 59%. Prisoners, 81%. Rush, 88%. Don John, 82%. Baggage Claim, 18%. So bad, but not as bad as this. Insidious Chapter 2, 35%. Pulling Strings, 67%. Enough Said, 95%. Instructions Not Included, 56%. Were the Millers, 47%. So, you see, it's a mix, but the, most of these had something at least 50% or close to it. Nothing right. at 8 So, now, yes, it can happen where the bad reviews are barely bad and still get counted as a bad review for this uh, percentage. It, it's all or nothing here. It's either Each review is either counted as bad or good, fresh, what they call fresh or rotten. So if a movie's unlucky enough to have like mostly like marginally bad reviews, then it's going to get a terrible rating on Rotten Tomatoes when it deserves better. But even the audience, and the audience tends to like movies a lot more than the reviewers do. Uh, the audience who rated it on Rotten Tomatoes gave it only 38% voted I liked it. 62% said they did not like it, which is pretty low. Um, let me click on some other ones that didn't get uh, good reviews. Yeah, So like Insidious Chapter 2, 35% of the critics liked it, but 66% of the audience liked it. Let's go to Baggage Claim. Hold on, wait a second. It, it got so sixty-six percent of the audience liked uh, Insidious too. Yeah, even though thirty-five percent uh, of the uh, of the reviewers liked it. Now, now the audience. I'm saying the audience always likes it more. I think because okay. the audience goes to the movie if they have some kind of interest in the first place, where the reviewers have to watch it. Okay. Yeah, I, I went and saw that. I thought that was good. Okay, so they liked it. Then baggage claim. 
18% of the reviewers liked it. 63% of the audience liked it. So you're, as you see, even the poorly reviewed films are getting a lot of people in the audience liking it. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of uh, Meatballs 2, 59% reviewers liked it, 70% audience liked it. So here we have 8% of reviewers liked it, but only 38% of audience. I mean, that's a really low audience approval, which really makes me think the movie probably sucks. Here, Here's some quotes from the uh, various reviewers. Um, Rafer Guzman wrote, The movie mostly wants to look timely and seem topical. Instead, it feels irrelevant. Uh, Liam Lacey says, Takes us inside the world of internet gambling, which proves every bit as fascinating as you'd imagine, which by I mean, not at all. <laughs> uh, Adam Graham says, You see Runner Runner's hand before it's played, and there's nothing to keep you playing. He's saying the movie's pretty predictable. Um, Kevin Jaggernoth. Runner Runner feels like a movie you've seen a hundred times on cable and harkens back to numerous, though thoroughly average, mid-budgeted dramatic thrillers of the mid-90s that will fill programming slots on late night forever. That's not even, like, one of the worst reviews, but it's uh, still not positive. Uh, Let's see if I can find a positive one here. I'm trying to look. There's so many negatives, I'm trying to... Trying to uh, find a positive one here. Let's see. Let's see if I can come up with one. This movie seems like it would have fit in in the '80s, like when the same like ten movies were rerun on HBO for like five years, like every day, twice a day. Yeah, this would be like the perfect slot for this movie. It sounds like. So here's one. Uh, Todd Gilchrist says. Not to put too fine a point on its subject matter, Runner Runner feels like a safe bet for its filmmakers. But thankfully, smart playing on their part makes it a safe one for audiences as well. So it's still, you know, it's positive, but not like glowingly positive. Um, there's a Dan Callahan. Runner Runner is the kind of meat and potatoes genre picture that might be passable if the people involved in making it had given the same thought and concentration to the development of the plot and the ending as they did to the fairly involving setup. And I've heard this from a number of, of uh, I shouldn't say people, but from reviewers, from reviews I've read of it, that they set up a pretty good story there, which could have gone into something good and then kind of screwed it up from that point. And I've I've seen movies do that before. It's really frustrating when you see something that is intriguing at the beginning and you can't wait to see where it goes next, then it gets stupid. So, unfortunately, it doesn't look like the one... DVD I'm ever going to be on is going to be a well-regarded movie. I, I don't think that Benjamin's going to want to brag to his friends when he gets older that uh, his dad's on the Runner Runner DVD. Now, are you in the theater, too, or just no. on the bonus DVD? No, just the DVD. In fact, they finished filming this in August 2012, over a year ago. I was not interviewed for this until, like, sometime this year. I forget when, but sometime earlier this year. Now, are they going to ship you a copy? Yes, the, that that's my payment. The, the, what I get paid for this is a copy of the DVD when it comes out and gas money. That's what they there gave me because it was a very lucrative opportunity for me. Gas money for oh, where you had to drive where to I or had something? to drive. I, I had to drive to Hollywood. They they gave okay. me some gas money. I, I think they they actually sent me it in cash. It was kind of funny. It was actually money in envelope. It, it was actually money in envelope, believe it or not. 
You're getting big time, Druff. Hollywood. <laughs> it was so strange. I got money in envelope from a Hollywood production company. It was the strangest thing. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I think I, I, this weird envelope comes, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I open, there's like all these bills in there, but like small bills, 20s, 5s. Like, it was really strange. <laughs> what did they give you for gas money? Uh, they gave me like $63. Wow. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I think if I can just get on uh, some more DVDs, I think if I can get on every DVD that's going to be coming out <laughs> every week, I, I think maybe I could be making... Uh, I could just barely pass the federal poverty line here. All right. <laughs> So okay, so that's uh, I I I wouldn't run out and go see this is the point. Uh, you probably want to wait until the DVD comes out, uh, or if, if you're one of those people who likes to download things, uh, you know, don't tell you, don't say I told you to do it, but uh, you know, do what you feel like doing. So uh, uh, want to talk about Tony G, Tony Guaga, I think that's how you say his name. Actually, his on name. your bike, on your bike. Now he is trying to do something serious now. I guess uh, Poker News is not enough for him. He's the owner of Poker News. Tony G is actually running for European Parliament. This is from his own site, Poker News. Antones Guaga, better known as Tony G in the poker world, is packing up his bike and heading to Brussels, Belgium. On Monday, Guaga announced via Facebook that he will run in the European Parliament elections next year and attempt to, quote, change Lithuania as a candidate for the Liberal Party. That's a pretty tall order to change Lithuania. I think Lithuania is pretty set in its ways. By the way, the Liberal Party is not what you think. You think of liberals in the U.S., and these are uh, very left-wing people who... uh, are often even left of most Democrats, or they think Democrats are too conservative. You know, very they're the big left wingers in this country are known as the liberals. Uh, it's like that in some countries also, but not everywhere. The Liberal Party in Lithuania is actually more libertarian, more like individual rights sort of stuff. Uh, they're considered center right which is actually what most libertarians are in the U.S. Center-right, meaning they're not uh, allied with conservatives on all the issues, but uh, if you had to put them somewhere in the political spectrum, they agree with the conservative side more than the uh, left-wing side. I won't say liberal, it would be confusing. So when I first read this, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know Tony G was a liberal. He didn't seem like that to me, but he isn't. He's uh, he's actually going to be a candidate for the liberal party there, there, which is like a center-right. It's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like the Republican Party, but not as right-wing. I, I would say it's most like the Libertarian Party in the U.S. European Parliament is currently made up of 766 members and is considered by many to be one of the most powerful legislatures in the world. Combined with the efforts of the Council of the European Union, the main roles of the European Parliament are to discuss and pass European laws, supervise other European institutions, and adopt and enforce the European Union's budget. Of course, this, you know, the European Union is a lot of countries together that uh, kind of govern together. It's different than the U.S., which is by itself. Uh, Antones will be representing the Lithuanian Liberal Party at the upcoming elections. The party propelled Tony G to second place in the party ballot 
overtaking such seasoned politicians as Petrus Ostavilius, who was the former negotiator for Lithuania in the European Union, uh, membership ne- negotiations. Uh, he also took over. Uh, he also overtook Dadis from Poker News. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I, I don't understand how he's going to be the candidate for the Liberal Party if he was second place, but uh, maybe maybe second place is the winner in Lithuania. In the last election, Lithuanian Liberals gained one representative in the EU, EU Parliament, and Guaga says this year that the party has set a goal to fight hard for at least two seats. At least they're aiming low, you know. They, there's 766 members, they just want two seats. They want to go f- up from one to two. The elections will take place in May of 2014, which means by next year's World Series we may uh, have a Parliament member Tony G. I wouldn't be surprised. I give him a shot. I mean, he's a very smart businessman. He's been very successful, it seems, at everything he does. So, I mean, I don't know what he knows about politics, but you know, he he might be good at winning an election, you know what I mean? Some people are just good at that aspect of it. Who knows? So, yeah, now see I what wonder, happens. I wonder... I wonder if um, the stuff he's done on these poker shows will be used against him. I know in the U.S., if he ran for anything here, it totally would. Like, they right. love to trash... Politicians love to trash each other with mistakes of the past or anything in the past that could make them look unfit for the job. So Now listen to this and tell me if this sounds like a European Parliament member. Yeah, to you. baby, here's a champ. Now I'm a champ. Bye-bye. <laughs> Mr. Devilfish. You play oh, very well. well. You play very, very well. Oh, wow. Putting all his money in with King Jack calling. Send you back to Russia. Pay the board, baby. Yeah! Yeah, baby! Come on, Russian, get out! It's time to go. You're a terrible player. <laughs> like, like, you know, imagine playing that over and over on a, his opponent's commercials <laughs> against him. Oh, imagine like he's in some type of debate <laughs> and they hit play on that. Yeah. Imagine if he's like wor- trying to work with Russia and then they play this. Yeah, baby, come on, Russian, get out. It's time to go. You're terrible. <laughs> it never gets old. Every time I hear it, it doesn't get old. Terrible player. Bring the Russians on. Bring more Russians on. Yeah. Look at this. Look how he's doing. Look how he's playing. Look how ugly this is. You play that as bad as you can. Your career is finished. You are gone. 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 Feel the power. You feel my power, baby? Feel my power. Is this how you play? You call with King Jack? Got you covered like a baby. <laughs> up, and, up and away. Up and away. Come on. On your bike. Now, he doesn't deserve any applause. He called with King Jack. If you read my poker strategy, I tell everyone, never, never overplay King Jack. But the big heart. So, yeah, he may have a big heart, but I, I wonder if they're going to use things like that against him. I don't know if they're going to care in the European Parliament election about poker shows, but in the U.S., they would totally find a way to use this against him. And, um, you know, here's a little fact about Ralph Perry. He was at a final table, did not win, against uh, someone you know. Ralph Perry? Yep. Versus you? Yeah. When I won my one and only bracelet, Ralph Perry was at that final table. Oh, wow. Before the Tony G stuff of uh, get on your bike and bring on more Russians. Before all that, it was actually the next year. Um, uh, 
that's when he was there with Tony G in 2006. So in 2005, and I forgot what he finished, like, uh, I think it was fifth or something like that. He was kind of a non-factor, though, in that he never had a lot of chips and kind of just skated into fifth. So he, I was never worried about Ralph Perry coming up and beating me, barring a miracle. Yeah, here it was. Oh, he's fourth. Wow. Yeah, but it, it's funny. Like, he was fourth. You would have thought, like, I was all concerned he was going to beat me. But that, this final table that I played in 05, it was nothing like the final table I played this year, even though they were right. both limit and they were both uh, kind of a similar player pool. Um, the one this year, nobody was ever dominating. Not one person was ever dominating at that final table. It was always everybody, you know, someone was always kind of in it at that final table. And even up until the end, no one person was dominating. Obviously, one person won eventually. But right. um, in the one in 2005, where I won, uh, it was really between me and two others, and everybody else was kind of a non-factor. It was me, uh, Daryl Mixon, who really, he finished second, but never really did much after that, and and uh, Q Dong, whose husband was eventually busted in one of those uh, bookie busts, the one before the Russian one, the one last year. Right. But uh, she was, I get paid on Poker Stars. There was the three of us, basically. And that's when I, I was looking at the table. I'm going, okay, we're the one with the chips. Uh, barring a miracle, Ralph Perry and the rest of them, including Cindy Violet, they had no shot. And, right. uh, um, you know, then it was just a matter of, you know, I, I want to I be the one of the three that wins. And fortunately, I was in that one. But, uh, yeah, it was funny when I, I heard Ralph Perry was the one on the other end of all this Tony G needling. I'm like, oh, I remember him. And he was, you know, he was very quiet. There's very, like, I have really nothing to say about Ralph Perry. And I don't remember his play being, like, particularly good or bad. He was just kind of there. I have the big heart. It's an ace. I have it, baby. This is what I have. That's how quick I call when I got the best hand. Because I know when I have the best hand. Uh -oh. You're going to double me up again. I'm going to take yes. all your chips. When I kill them, I kill them. Yes. I destroy them. Destroy them. I love it. I called the guy with A7 in three seconds. I'm going to destroy you. Put everything in and just hope. He's kind of contradicting himself. He says, never call with King Jack, but then I call him with A7 in three seconds. <laughs> I, I actually got a couple of little tidbits here about Ralph Perry. Um, I think uh, he, I think he final tabled the main event the year that uh, Robert Varconi won, and I think that he was maybe in the, even in the top three or something like that. Um, I think it was Julian Gardner that was heads up with Varconi. But the other thing is, I think he goes, he plays at the Aria, and they play that four hundred, eight hundred mix or whatever. And I heard when he goes there and he sits down, the entire entire table. Will just sit out and get up and leave, and they won't give him any action because he only plays like two of the games, and he just leaves when the other games are in because he's not very good at them. I always wondered if people did that in those mixed games, and I was wondering if you are good enough in those other mixed games, in the, you know, in some of them, but not that good in the others. Is it actually beatable still if you sit out and blind out, or you saying he sits out, he doesn't blind out? Yeah, he'll just sit out. Oh, he sits out. Oh, okay, okay. Every time, like, two of his, like, worst games come up, he just magically has oh, to go okay. to the I was thinking about like a, a Yeah, I was thinking about, like, a tournament where you can't sit out. Yeah, so I guess when he, he gets a table, when he sits down... Oh, that's pretty the bad. Entire, the entire table just sits out and will just get up and walk away or whatever, or they'll just break the game. They yeah. won't let him play. Yeah, see, I, I never had... I, I never had the thought to do something like that. Like, it, it's funny because, like... I remember when I was playing 100-200 limit and, and the Bellagio and like a 300-600 mix would break. And so they'd 
want to still be playing some of them, and they'd come over and sit in the open seats in our game. And at first I think, oh shit, you know, I don't I don't know these guys very well, but uh, if they're playing 300, 600 mix, they've got to be good players. Then they play, and they're, they're not awful, but they're they're definitely like like several steps below me. They're just not that good. Right. And I think, hmm, these are just they may be good at all the games, you know, if if you average them out, but uh, you know, limit hold them, they don't stand up well to good limit hold them players. I'm not saying that's about all mixed play- players. There's, there are some very good limit hold'em players that have converted to mix, who probably didn't lose their limit hold'em skill. But uh, the ones who are not known good limit hold'em players, right? Uh, they typically aren't that good at limit hold'em. It's interesting. Like you, you think they would be because it's one of the games they have to play there, and these mixed games are limit games. But but they're just not that good. Right. And uh, they're probably just average or below average. I actually uh, have a question for you about um, somebody's playing limit hold'em that you probably played with a little bit on stars. Um, Mike Matisau, he seems to do okay in these mixed games, and I've read his book. And he like uh, when he came up, that was his game, and he he had some big wins at Commerce, and I think he grew his role from basically nothing to like hundreds of thousands playing limit hold'em. How was he online as a player? Did you play with him a lot? Yeah, like, I played with him online. I wasn't I wasn't impressed with his limit hold'em play. Uh, no? Mike Mike Mattisau, my my opinion of him is that uh, you know excellent tournament player, right. but uh, but limit hold'em cash never impressed me. Okay. And another guy, what about the grinder? He was always in those games. Did he beat those games, like the 100-200? I, I, I love to tell this this anecdote, though half of it doesn't isn't as shocking anymore because of uh, what happened to this person. But there were two big fish in 2003 that I'd love to see at my table. Um... In 2003, I was like the boss on Poker Stars. I was I was the big the biggest winner in 3060 on Poker Stars in 2003. Uh, the two fish I loved to see were two individuals named Neverwin and the Grinder, and I absolutely destroyed them. Not just from running well, they just um, I, I just absolutely destroyed them every time they sat down. I, I thought right. they were big fish. Uh, they both improved a lot. Neverwin found his calling at heads up and became a great heads up player before he fell into some serious drugs and other stuff. Uh, and then the grinder found uh, tournaments and and found that he was really good at those. And uh, and yeah, as you've seen from his results, he's uh, he's done a great job at tournaments there. But uh, and I, I don't know how he is nowadays at limit hold'em. I, I played him in two thousand eight. I know at limit hold'em at the ten k limit, and I found he was just uh, he was just kind of tight. Right. Uh, I didn't really see much to talk about with with his game there. He wasn't like the grinder has this reputation of being wild and all that, and he definitely wasn't that at all in the ten k limit. He was he was actually very tight, and um, if anything, was under aggressive. So right. So that that's what I saw of him, and uh, but I thought it was funny, like if someone told me in two thousand three. That Neverwin is going to become like one of the feared players on Poker Stars the next year, and the Grinder is going to be like become like one of the big time famous uh, tournament players that everyone's going to think is, is one of the greats of the game. Uh, I would have said you're crazy. I was in fact, I wondered where do these guys get money. I mean, they're just giving away money constantly. Right. So, so what do they just have bad fundamental flaws in like 2003, and then they corrected? Uh, yes. At least Neverwin corrected. I yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they corrected. They they got better over time. Yeah, right. that's why they just they just were 
were fish back then. So right. um, I, I don't know how the grinder plays now. I don't know how Mattisau, for that matter, plays now in, in Limit Hold'em. Uh, it's possible that he's improved. Uh, but I, I wasn't that impressed. I, now, Mattisau was better than the grinder and everyone were in 2003. There's no question there. But uh, uh, I played with a lot of people early in 2003 that I hadn't heard of before that ended up becoming quite well-known. Eric Lindgren played on there. Um, I'm trying to think. It's so many of them played. Josh Aria. Josh Aria. The... Did, did he play as Kid Poker? He did play, but he was already well-known then. So right. th- there was a... Uh, like, I see Negreanu there. I'm like, oh, wow, Negreanu. Like, uh, but, uh, like, Josh Aria, another one that, like, I, I didn't know very well that uh, that I, I always spanked him hard on Poker Stars. Right. So there were there were a number of them that uh, became bigger names in later years that right. uh, they were kind of uh, nobodies then, and uh, it, it's funny because some of them even like later on even even ones that aren't as well known, but as they got to be more well known over the years. Do you remember the guy Sam E. Knoll on uh, Poker Stars? Uh, yeah. Didn't he post on uh, Never Win? Uh, he might have. He, he did. He got so he did very well in tournaments over the years. I, I don't know where he is now, but uh, he was a young kid. But uh, one time he got sat next to me at some Bellagio tournament and said to me, "Oh, you're Dan Druff." He said, uh, "I'm Sammy Knoll, and you used to just destroy me on Poker Stars. Man, I hated playing against you. Like he, it was interesting. Because I, and I remembered. I remembered. Like he wasn't one of the big fish I played against, but I remembered I'd beaten him. Like I was. It was like I, I kind of just neglected at the time when I'm beating all these people. Like who are they? What is their story? And it turned out a lot of them became successful players later. Right. Yeah. A lot of the guys from that 2003-2004 crowd, you know, the tournament scene blew up. So you probably got to know, you know, probably a good portion of those players just from their names. Yeah, and and something else. um, I also wonder where they're getting their money. Some of them were tournament players who were winning in tournaments already then. And just sucked in cash, and I didn't see this because I didn't play tournaments. So I just go like, "Where are they getting all this money to lose to me? They're winning the tournaments and sitting with me at thirty sixty, and I was killing them because they just weren't good limit holding players." But uh, like, like I I just kind of like didn't question it. I'm like, "All right, well, I'm sitting here; these same guys keep sitting with me and losing, and and I see a lot of major flaws in their game. So you know, keep sitting with me." (laughs) So, so uh, let me. I'm going to make a phone call here. You you heard my phone ring in the background. Uh, Let's. uh, Make a phone call. Add someone to the conversation who would like like to have a few words. God, I hate the new Skype. Every time they change something on Skype, I hate it. I should just never download the new ones. Yes, hello. Uh, Ken, are you there? What? Is Ken there? What? Ken. Why does it say 661? Because I'm in Palmdale right now. Oh. Man, yeah. Not very exciting. So so what 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 happened today with the... Did you get the, the rent check in? Well, I mean, there's no notice on my door. I, I, she filmed it yesterday, and I see my mom's check came yesterday. And I was obsessing about going to my door tonight. There's nothing on the door. Okay, well, I'm... Well, nothing on your door doesn't mean anything. They could still evict you. They don't have to post something on your door to evict you. 
Are you serious? They don't have to put an eviction notice? They do, but that doesn't mean they're going to do it the next day. Okay, well, I'm sure I would have heard something by now. No, no, you, they, they could be preparing the eviction case. I mean, they, either, what percent do you think I'm going to be evicted when I know it was 100% turned in on time both ends? And I, I don't know. I can't even guess this. So anyway, Ken, I hate to tell you, but you're on the radio right now. I don't want to be on the radio. Well, it's too late. You already are. You were in the OC Weekly. Yeah, I was. So, so uh, Ken... You were in the OC Weekly. Yeah, I know. They're, they're not really interested in that. So, oh, okay. Fine. So, Ken, where are you going right now? I gotta go run to Stephanie's house and and yeah, saw a couple of really bad movies. And, uh, Wait, what did Stephanie say? No, we That's snuck. Cool. Yeah, Nicole's the girl at the front desk. How you flirted with her? I didn't flirt with her. I'm not into her. What does Nicole look like? She's not my type. Hmm. I'm going to put on someone who maybe is your type here. Uh, call you on the air. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Just let him keep talking. Okay, go, go ahead, Ken. I thought you were going to put on, like, Colleen Sandland or something. Oh, well. No, no. I'd like to, but, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. She sold all her paintings in New York, everybody, at the Affordable Art Show. She has one next month in Seattle. Yeah, Ken has been tracking, Ken has been tracking yeah. poor Colleen for, uh, I wouldn't say poor Colleen, but he's been tracking Colleen. Colleen, for... by the way, calls right on Ken Scala. Hey, 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 hey. I'm not talking about Colleen because this person next to me may be an aficionado, but is not a fan. Yeah, Ken, Ken has been tracking everything she's been doing for like the last year. He hasn't been contacting her, but he's been like watching from a distance. Well, I'm just a big fan of her art and her paintings and her textile. Well, she doesn't really do textile designs anymore, but she she can if she wanted to. Yeah, well. She's amazing. I, I guess I guess you have the right to because she did have sex with you. So I'm not talking about anything personal like that. I'm respecting Colleen and Sam Land. She's a last name. Hey yo, Ken. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, wait. We're Stephanie. This is the guy. That, uh, we're Stephanie. Hey, I don't understand this guy. Is he like like? Uh, is he like? Is this like Tony or something? Yeah, his name is Tony. His name is Tony G. And he. Yeah, slow down there, Slim. Put Stephanie on the phone. I met her one night at a bar. Put her oh, on the phone. Yeah, this guy's yeah, name, his name is Tony hey, what? G. Hey, Stephanie, what, what's up? This is Big Black. How you doing, baby? What? Who is it? This is Big Black. You remember me the one hey, night Stephanie. from the bar in Vegas? I'm sorry. She's actually, we're on, we're on Stephanie's yeah. driveway right now down Ventura Boulevard in beautiful Studio City, California. <laughs> Home of celebrities hey, can, and Lawyers. Hey, can you put Stephanie on for real? Towers Big Black. Okay, what do you want? She's saying, I don't want to talk bullshit. I mean, I don't know what, what you know. Tell her our, tell, Ken, tell her I'm our biggest fan. Tell her I'm our biggest fan. Oh, Do you have a crush on Stephanie? She, she likes her. No. I don't have crushes on Fat Coke but put her on the phone. <laughs> 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 what? No, no, it's walked a lot of weight. Is that what he's saying? Yeah, this guy doesn't know. Fat Coke, as I called you. You need to shut your mouth when you're on radio. All right, all right, all right. She's pretty. I saw her. I'm going to say Stephanie. Stephanie's a very... Stephanie's a very... Stop, stop, stop. Will you admit that she's lost a ton of weight? I thought I lost this fucking head. That's good. She's lost 90 pounds. Crackheads lose a lot of weight. She's a fucking crackhead. Put her on the phone. Tell her it's a bad guy. Put her on the phone. I'll make her a superstar. 
This guy's not even in California. This guy's probably like in the two on five area code. No, I'm in four one two, bro. I'm from Pittsburgh. It's even worse. Oh, oh, wow. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I will. I will state for the record that Stephanie has uh, lost a good deal of weight. No, I know. I'm not kidding. Hey, Drop. I like Stephanie. She's just fucking crazy. She needs to get on the phone. She needs. To, you like she's her? Always, she's always yelling. I do like Stephanie, but she's always yelling at you. She treats you like shit. You guys just need to fucking get it over with. I mean, what the hell's going on with you two? We're just, I've known her for many years, and we're like, we're like brother and sister. Fat crackhead? Seriously? I lost over 90 pounds. How am I fat? I'm a size two. How's that? Ask him. Ask him. She, she's lost a lot of weight. Really? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe he should. Why does she only talk to you? Tell her to get on the phone. I'll talk Wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I think that maybe a compromise can be made. Here. Oh, no, I said a cokehead. Tell me. No, maybe I a compromise. Hold on, hold on. Maybe a compromise should be made here. Maybe he shouldn't call you a fat cokehead. He should call you a skinny cokehead. That's fine. I'll take it. I smoke. I admit it to everybody. I don't care. So what? Now what? Listen, I need a place to live. I'm running from the cops. Can I come stay with you? Only if you have drugs. If you have drugs, you can stay with me. I don't deal with. It's too bad Silk Road went down. I drink a lot. I drink a lot. Well, that's the answer, Neil. I already live with an alcoholic. What? What did she say? I can't understand you. are talking to. I already live with an alcoholic. I don't need another one. Her roommate's an alcoholic. Her roommate. Let me. Let me take it off speaker for two seconds, just so you guys can hear better. All right. Um, it's off speaker now. Her roommate. Her roommate's an alcoholic. So. Uh-oh. Okay. So Ken, I'm an alcoholic. I'm 37 years old. I mean, you okay. Get on that fucking dating show. You never got a date. Maybe you can hook me up here, man. Make a date. Well, you want me? So you want me to be the Chuck Woolery of of B level poker players? Right, and I also seen you on the Damon Wayne show, or whatever the fuck it was you were doing. Keith Keenan on your way in. He wants me to hook him up, but this guy's not even. I mean, let me give you some real advice. My, my pictures, my one poster's up on. I want to put it back on speaker. Hold on. Okay, you want to actually want to be hooked up? Yes, I want to hook up with this girl. You know, okay, I, actually I, would like you, I actually would like you heavier. Can you gain some weight? <laughs> What did he say? I don't understand what he's saying, Todd. Can you interpret? Yeah, he's, he's saying he wants Stephanie to gain some weight back. Yeah, I don't like that. He wants Stephanie to be big again. That, that, she, that, she, absolutely re- she refuses to get fat again. She re- I was talking over each other. She refuses to get fat again. That's basically the... Yeah, but you just don't want to haul her weight. You already did, yeah. How did she lose her weight? Did she get a gastric bypass surgery or something? How'd she, she No, no, no. She went on she a diet. Exercise, so how'd she lose her weight? You tell me. How do they know what I do? I, I didn't say any of this. How do they know what I do? I don't even know this person. I've no, never you know what? The, I, actually, the, the way, the way, the way that... Uh, hold on. The, the way that... Uh, Should we assume that? Oh boy, that's Hold on, let me let me say something here, Jeff. Can I can, can you guys listen? Let me. So she was on the coke diet and sliding up and down black cock. Is that how she lost all her weight? I I, I think he's Italian. I don't think he's black. What is he saying? Well, speaker phone. That's why it's hard to hear. What is he saying? Actually, I think that the, I think the way Stephanie lost all the weight was from hitting Ken so often. She got a lot of exercise doing that. Right. I know. She takes everything. <laughs> why do you put up with that? All right, guys. Let me let me defend. Let me defend Stephanie real quick. She's helped me out. She's been my friend. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, we've had good times and dinners and lunches and gone to movies and you know. I mean, we're not dating, but we're like good friends. We're good platonic 
platonic friends. Very platonic, I very friends. Ten. Ten, I have a question for you. And she has a boy. Sometimes. Ten, you're famous. She's a nobody. And she, 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 no, no, no. Why do you let her do this? What a gift! It's a comedy! It's a comedy show! It's a comedy show! Oh, God. She's gonna wreck you up. What? All right. Is this what happens for real? They, they, she's driving and yelling in the car? That, that's pretty yeah, much it, yes. I'm having trouble understanding. Can you interpret what he he's says? Asking, he's asking, he's asking does, is this what happens for real? Is it she's always driving and yelling at Ken in the car? What would be your answer to that, Ken? Well, she, she hates to want to give her directions. That's one of my, like, obsessive behaviors is I always give directions. But then again, I, when I don't give directions, we pass in and out, so go figure. <laughs> yeah. In and out, a burger place on the West Coast for those of you not from California, Arizona, Nevada, or Texas. And she always, she always talks about her ex-roommate, Jennifer, being an alcoholic. But I think she's a nice girl. She would be excellent on this show, Todd, as a guest, by the way, in the future. Fuck that, Genevieve. Fuck that fucking Genevieve. She's a wannabe actor. She's no good for drugs. She talks shit on drugs. We don't want that bitch on the show. <laughs> wow. He, he, Genevieve, 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 Genevieve did a play with Robert this. Remember that show, Artist on HBO? She did a play with Robert Wool. I'm not making this up. I'm sure she's a pretty girl, but back in the day, Stephanie tried to... Call out Genevieve talking shit on drugs. We don't want that bitch on that show. Stephanie says she's not that pretty. She's actually, this is Genevieve's bro. Genevieve is actually. Hold on. I got one. Did did Stephanie's tits shrink when she lost weight? Yes or no? Uh, Stephanie, can you repeat the question, Tox? When you say it, I understand. When he says it, I think it's. I don't know. know. We have some kind of uh, bad connection issue. So, no, he, her boobs shrink when she lost weight. Yes or no? Yeah, he wants to know: Did she lose weight in all the wrong places? Did your boobs shrink when he lost weight? Yeah, thirty six feet. She's now thirty six okay. feet. Huh. Well, you tell. Oh, thirty six feet, I can deal with. That's good. How much is she? She's to be a double D now. She's a solid middle class C. How much okay, is she tipping good. the scales at hey. now? That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. How much does she, she weigh? She now? said she said herself one thirty. So I'm just repeating what she said. Two thirty. That, that's, that's not bad. Two thirty. That's not too big. Yeah, she's not like two thirty. One thirty. She's not. She's not like she. She's not like. She's not like the girls on bbwclubbubbles.com. dot com. It's gonna be right on Sunday. Thank you, Kenny. She's not like those guys that you used to. Those girls you used to. Sure, sure, sure. I don't go by that name. Sir, sir, no, I don't go by that. Yeah, I got a question for. Them off? Well, hold on, hold on. China Maniac has a question. We never got to the bottom of that. China, go ahead. something. I'm not as fat as the girls that Ken loves to meet at the back at the Big Crow Club. How about that? That is true. That's true. Were you as disappointed? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. We have a we have a question from another person. Hold on. Everybody, hang on. We have a question from China Maniac here. Go ahead. Um. Were you as disappointed as me when they took the Twinkies away? When they did away with the Twinkies? Oh, I really, no, I don't really care. Hey. <laughs> you don't care when they took what? the Twinkies away? No, I don't give a shit. Yeah, actually, I'm speaking. Oh, sorry. No, I don't care. Why? I don't need that shit. respect for you as we talk here, man. I mean, I You don't like Twinkies? Big... No, I don't. Do you? I don't probably have a yeah. Twinkie in 10 years. I, I, I want to put my Twinkie in your ass. How about that? Oh, what? What do you say? I want to put my Twinkie. I'm not like Brandon. I don't kiss you all over. I want to put my Twinkie Who's in Brandon? your ass. Brandon? Who are these? I don't know who these people are. Brandon's dead. 
I'm the new co-host. No, Jason, Jason Casello is dead. Jason Casello is dead. Jason Casello is dead. Fucking go! What the fuck are you doing? They're going to die right now. You are fucking idiot. It is pretty amazing that with all this road rage going on in the car that there has not been an accident involving these two. Of course not. I'm a good driver. said about bad guy here. One thing that can't be said is that he doesn't have women in his life. <laughs> yeah, he actually he actually okay. has uh, women he's trying to get out of his life. saying that you're handsome and smart. I am handsome. He surrounds himself with freaks like this, and that's why he has no reality show. Oh, that's cool. I want to be on TV. He has a five in his life. I want a ten. You can get ten. You're not sitting there. What? I see him now, I'm going to slap you. I will find it, Stephanie. Oh, sorry. Wow, that's You don't have to get that's it. So you, you find it? You're not going to have Anytime I think my life's fucked up, I listen to this segment and I feel fucking fine, man. I'm telling you. You want me to 20? I want it. Okay. I want it. Oh, here it is. I mean, this can't be real. This has to be acting. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, this is cool. I don't know. Oh, what? Are you an idiot? I'm sorry for being an idiot this one time only. Hold the post on your watch. You're taking it with me. Take it correctly. Did you two ever have sex for real? Yeah, this guy, this guy reminds me a little bit of Scott Farrell. I don't know why. Well, no, he he wants to know: Have you two ever had sex? No, oh, absolutely not. Oh no, never. Not even a blowjob. You never got a blowjob from her when she was tied up on coke. Stephanie, do you smack Ken around? Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. No, does she like physically hit him? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Why? Ask her why. She's about to order right now. Quiet, quiet, quiet. All right. Here, yeah, I'd like a, I'd like an order of uh, small fries and a large Coke. <laughs> Hello. Obviously, she's going supersized. She's definitely supersizing. Nah, she's going. 
one double double. We'll we see where that's going. I think she's just gone up to 131 pounds. Ask Ken why does Ken, why does Ken put up with her hitting him? I don't understand why Ken puts up with any of them. Yeah. There's something wrong with him. The guy's smart as hell. He's been on TV. I mean, he must love being hit by women. And maybe he does. He's. Uh, I mean, it makes no sense. He, he is a local he TV celebrity. I mean, back in the day, Jeff, like when you guys would hang out sometimes, like did people recognize him from the show? Oh, yeah, yeah. We actually have had a bum recognize him before. That's why she likes him. She thinks he's famous. Actually, he hits him and he lets her do it. This is a big order they're making here. Like, how much food can two people order? Somebody must have got your check this week. I mean, Jeez. I mean, this is more Dysfunctional relationships on the next current affair. I want to hang up on this, but I can't. What is going on? I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to hang up on the whole thing, but I'm, I kind of don't. You got to ask what the hell was going on. They must not have supersized their menu. I mean, supersized their order. Hello? Yeah, Ken, what, what was the problem there? Did they not supersize the order? <laughs> yeah. You are funny, but this is not Kevin and Bean level. Okay, so um, what was the problem? What was Stephanie screaming? No, we have a thing where you can get a free, like, burger, fries, and a drink for In-N-Out and get any size drink. So why, I said, why get a large when you get an extra large for free? No, you said like that. You said it over and over and over again. You need right. to get any okay. people. Okay, That's so what did, you, what, what did you, you settle on? What did you settle on? Did you get the extra large? I don't know. I'm just saying, why not milk it? If you can the why do we need to milk it? Because we're sharing it. But you're not going to eat it now. <laughs> All right, fine. Okay. All right, you get the extra large. Why do you do that? All right. What is the point? I don't know. Well, what is the point? I don't know. What is the point? I don't know, Taylor Swift. What? Oh, oh. Hey, no. Stop it. Because you can never control it. Oh, 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 oh,
Why did you just do that? I'm sorry. Why? I apologize. For what? To myself. I don't know what you can do about that. Okay. That's the love. 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 Yeah, but sometimes no means yes. I think they hung up, actually. They did. Oh, she hung up. She hated that name. <laughs> Is she, are they really that nuts for real? The funny thing, she was going on and on about how much she lost the weight, and then she says... You're taking the single, and I'm she's taking the double-double. Double. <laughs> she's confiscating his hamburger, but bragging about ni- losing 90 pounds. Dude, how could you ever go out with them in public if they really like that, man? I'm well, I, I try to avoid... Uh, no, I don't really go with them in public very often because of this. I don't think Ken, if it was you and him, it would be like that. No, it's never like that. Crazy. No, when I'm with Ken, it's, it's totally calm. Right. <laughs> it's a fucking good segment, though, man, because I don't think there's anybody that crazy. Well, it, it's funny because some of the audience loves these segments and some of the audience ap- absolutely hates it. Some of the audience what, just... What the fuck do they want to hear? I don't know, but some of the audience just despises the Stephanie so segments. They, they say, like, they turn off the show. That's why I try to keep these oh, to the God. end now so they can turn off and not miss anything. How can you turn that off? I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, find, I find it fascinating myself, even though I feel bad for Ken, but the truth is I... I stopped trying to interfere in this a long time ago. Like at first, when I saw this happening, I was I was trying to take action and convince Ken to stop seeing her, and he'd say, "Okay, I am. I hate her." And then the whole thing was a big act. Like like what they're doing there is not an act, but like him pretending he hates Stephanie was an act. I'm like, okay, well, for whatever reason he wants to keep seeing her like this, so I'm not going to get it's in the way. Not even anymore. brother and sister. That's just crazy. I mean, it, it's it, it's the like weirdest the thing I've ever seen. I, I've never seen two people have a weirder relationship than that. Yeah, I mean, you gotta get that on fucking. Uh, well, we got at least on radio. I probably doesn't come through as good as would be on TV, but I don't understand how. If there's people behind them in the drive-through, there, like they're like, what the fuck are these two idiots? Like, what, like, what are they doing? Can you yeah, I mean, what, yeah, I mean, like, uh, what if the drive-through is in a residential neighborhood? Yeah, no, I mean, that's really bad. <laughs> You're correct. Hey, congratulations, your boys made it. We got a fucking big game tomorrow. We're not going to break nothing out tonight because I went to the Penguin game. I went to a strip club, actually, tonight, too, for like an hour. It was a joke. They didn't even have an ATM in the strip club, Druff. Wait, where did you not go to me, the uh, – wh- wh- what strip club did you go to? It was called Cheerleaders. It's like the second-best strip club Cheerleaders. downtown. But who did you go with? Their panties. I went with my two buddies. We went. My buddy got Penguin tickets. I got hmm. word of it today, and then – they wanted to go to the thing. We went. I mean, it was. I don't understand why. They're both married. It was so hilarious. And they're like, oh, the one wanted to get a lap dance. I don't know if I should say it because some of them listen to this shit. So, I mean, anyway, somebody wanted to get a lap dance. And then th- there was no ATM in this joint. So they didn't have cash on, like cash, cash on them. And I said, dude, it doesn't come up like a strip club, you know, on your credit card. 
And they're like, oh, I was like, no, it doesn't come up like that. And I'm not a strip club connoisseur, but I'm sure it doesn't. So what does it come up with, like an ABC plumbing service? Yeah, they said it comes up like a dinner. AT something is exactly what they said. Like <laughs> AT it comes up like a dinner. That's exactly what the girl said. I won 20 bucks on that bet. So. Well, it was funny. I remember a very long time ago... Um, in 1986... They go out of business when it comes up as a strip joint. Well, Am I right or wrong? Well, no, you're right. But I, I remember in 1986, I was on this uh, computer bulletin board, and it was like a dating thing. It was like the first dating site I was ever on. And I was only 14 then, so like I, 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 mean, I didn't think I was going to really get any dates from there. But um, there was like this whole disclaimer at the beginning, and it says if you want to buy a premium membership for like $20, you can use your credit card. And it says the credit card charge will come up as L.A. Sportsbook a great cover for you married folks. So I'm like, well, I guess it's a cover for not cheating on your wife. Yeah, but then it makes it look like you have a gambling problem. That's not much better, you know? <laughs> like, why L.A. Sportsbook? Why not, like, L.A. Restaurant, you know? Like, yeah, right. They said something like A.T. something. It'll come up like you had a dinner. That's exactly what the girl said. Like, there, there's, like, four big bars in this joint. It's a big place, man. I've never been there before. I mean, it's what it is. I mean, I don't know. I just don't, strip clubs never did it for me, man. I was going when I was 17 to one down in West Virginia where they take it all off. And you can get in with a fucking ID that looked nothing like you. And I, they just never did it for me. They were talking shit because we were passing it on the way home. And they're like, uh, we went in. I don't know. I mean, it was just, you know, it's what it is. You've been the better ones than I have. I mean, you've been to Vegas, I'm sure. Yeah, but I've, I've, yeah, I, I haven't been to many strip clubs. One. I've only been to a very few in my life, actually. I know. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't do anything for me. I mean, but it was more—it was more of a laid-back atmosphere. Like the girls weren't. Kind of, I mean, it was like big bars and stuff. Like the one down in West Virginia was totally fucked up. I'll tell you a story. When I was in West Virginia, I'm 17. I'm cocky. This is where I'm in shape. I think I'm God's gift or whatever. I foot fucking a quarter at this chick, though, just fucking around, drunk. Dude, I got jacked up by two fucking bouncers. They were going to kill me, I thought. I'm not even kidding. And we're in West Virginia, too. I mean, I, they're like, what did you throw a quarter? Dude, I, they were choking my fucking neck. I'll never forget it, man. You know, I, I would have thought in West Virginia, I actually, I would have thought in West Virginia, a quarter is their version of a dollar. <laughs> she went and told on me. It was a black girl, too. I'll never forget it. And, dude, these fuckers jacked me the fuck up like I was a fucking rag doll. And fucking half, meanwhile, they let me in underage with a blonde dude's ID. I mean, they didn't even care, and they fucking chat. I'll never forget that day. Never again will I flip a quarter at a stripper, man. I'll tell, <laughs> I'll tell you what, you I, I was driving through West Virginia this year uh, on my way down to Florida. I think I posted about this in the forum, and we pulled off to get gas. And um, we just, the GPS took us the wrong way back to the highway, or maybe it was the right way. I don't know, but took us through this really residential area and i swear to god I like could have on been this... there, residential. yeah i think he has <laughs> yeah and, and there was uh there was like four four or five strip clubs like about what, 200... was it in weirden was one I, called the hurricane i have no idea but they were like like that's shacks. that man they were yeah, like shacks they looked like Yep. Yeah, they were, it was literally like the size of like a tiny tiny house one looked like a shed and they were all, there was like a house, then like a strip club, then a house, strip then a strip club. club. That's exactly what it was. But all of Pittsburgh, girls, and then we met girls, they lived in Catanning, which is a little bit up from Pittsburgh. I, that's where they all strip. It's, it's got to be around there, man, I'm telling you. Because that's couldn't... how it was. It's like strip club, then house, like 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 a regular place, then a strip joint. It was, fu- I mean, it's fucked up down there. But yeah, I, I, flip quarters. 
I couldn't believe it. It was like the the street that I grew up on. It was just like every other house was a strip joint. Yeah, it was it literally a house. Yeah, fucking yeah. weird. Yeah. So, so what bad guy. And the pirates gonna win tomorrow or what, Jeff? I, I hope so. But bad guy, when can we have uh, Josie back on the show? Come on, man. I have, you have to ask her, man. I don't talk to her. Really? So she said she wants to come back on. What she's telling you that right now? Uh, not right at this moment, but she told me. Uh, yeah, recently. She can, she can come on whenever she wants them, man. That's her fucking doing. I didn't tell her not to come on. Okay. She can do what the fuck she wants. I, mean, I missed I miss talking about the new kids. If she comes on and starts spilling shit, then it's all fair game. you got to take my call, too. That's all Okay, I mean. no, she she said that uh, she, she yeah, misses she coming on here. Your... I just heard when I came home from the strip club from where I'm at right now at my other girls, at my real girl's house, that she picked... I guess she was in Dallas. I don't do Facebook because I, I, even if I had to lie tomorrow, I wouldn't do Facebook. I think Facebook's nothing but a spider vice. I've always thought MySpace the same thing. Before I ever had warrants when I owed child support, I never would do anything like this. It's just, it's, first off, it's retarded. That's what these two guys are scared about, too, because the people I know, they're on their Facebook. And they're like, oh, don't say we're at the strip club. I mean, like, they go home to their wives. I mean, whatever, man. I mean, but my thing on this is this Josie's vindictive. She's, I've known Josie a long time. I told you that before. The thing I did with Josie that day on the phone was for the radio. I told you that, and it's what it was, man. Josie's not my girlfriend. She's nothing. Yeah, no, she told me that, too. She told me she's not your girlfriend. Right, and she, she's not. I've known her a long time, and I probably made a mistake that day, and whatever is whatever. I mean, I do what I want, though, and I'll keep doing what I want, and we're still going to exploit motherfuckers. I... I, I you know what I'm talking about. We're, we're going to do it not this week. We're going to do it shortly because someone's going to piss me off again. I'm just going to fucking let it off. But if Josie comes on this show and starts running her mouth, I just want a chance to retort and run my mouth. Yeah, no, I don't think I she have. wants to run her mouth about you. I think she just likes coming on here talking about the new kids and other things like that. Well, that's fine. I mean, she can do whatever she wants, man. But, I mean, today I come back from the Penguin game. I'm getting told she's in Dallas, which I don't even know this, and she's taking pictures of T.O., who was my favorite player when he played for the Eagles, and I like Terrell Owens. And she's putting pictures up on her Facebook, and my one buddy, I was the best man at his wedding. He's a fucking sellout, too. I hope he's listening. And he's like, she's like, oh, yeah, I did this for TK or some shit. I mean, whatever. Fuck it. I mean, just get over it. Yeah, no, I'm looking right now. I see she has, uh, she does have a lot of uh, Dallas pictures up of... Uh... Yeah, her wearing ninety I mean, number ninety four and uh, I don't look at Facebook, so I don't care what she has. Up. She's standing in front of uh, t- Tony Romo's locker. It looks like. Oh, good. Maybe she fucked him. Maybe. <laughs> Hopefully, leave me alone. Just leave my name out of your Facebook okay. pictures. That's all I ask. <laughs> you know, what I mean, and it's no disrespect. It's just what it is. Josie's her own person. Josie's a very smart person, and she's what she is, man. I know Josie inside out, though, and I know the ins and outs. So, I mean, I do it. Hey. You know, I come through for your show, man. And don't ever forget that. I do. I mean, I put my whole shit out there, and I got in a lot of trouble for that shit, dude. I shouldn't have did that that day, but it happens, man. And it's what it is. I'm not going anywhere other than jail. But if a bus goes, well, you better come down here, man, for a game. You got to come down I, here. I might have to. If the, if the Dodgers World Series tickets are 2500 each, I might have to come to Pittsburgh. Just come to Pittsburgh, baby. I'll put you up. I'll put you up. I'll, listen, I got a lot of hotel mouths, and they're good hotels. I, I tell everybody I stay at the Motel 6. Believe me, I don't. You can get free Wi-Fi at the McDonald's. That's a loop. <laughs> no, I love you guys, man. I hope the Pirates win tomorrow. They're probably not. They can't yeah, I hope so. I hope, I hope we'll have the uh, the Pirates-Dodgers series. and. 
Yeah, that means you can have some fun with it. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, hey, you take care. Hey, China, you take care too, brother. Take care. Man. All right, Everybody guy. be safe, man. I love you guys, man. All right. Well, take well, care, yeah, bad guy. Bad guy. Yeah, bad yeah, guy. Yes, yes, go ahead. Who, so, Pitt, Pitt, Pitt St. Louis, who's pitching? Cole's pitching and Wainwright, man. I mean, they've seen Cole. The reason Cole pitched so good, I think, last time is because they never seen him before. Right. St. Louis never seen him this year, man. So they're going to see him again this time. Yeah. I don't know, bro. I mean... He's got to. I mean, Wayne, yeah, Wainwright's dynamic, but um, Cole he throws like almost a hundred miles an hour too, right? Right, he does, man. But he throws a lot of fastballs, and I think these guys are going to be geared up for it this time. But listen, hey, we just seen Wainwright. We look like shit, but you know, it's easy to pitch. Like I told Druck the other night when it was thirteen or whatever, or whatever the hell the score was, he was pitching with a lead the whole time, man. I mean, so if we can, if we can get a quick run off this guy, I think we can. We can break him. I mean, he yeah, pitched well, good the last three games. The, the game before that, he didn't pitch good. I, I'm praying, man. I mean, this city loves it. I mean, it's a good. It, I think it'd be better for baseball if Pirates win. I'll tell you that much. Well, so uh, I think it's, the whole, right I think now, the whole it's, it's St. Louis is a right? minus 154 favorite. 154. Right. I mean, what are you going to make them, Jeff? That's, that's pretty. Uh, that's what you got to make them. I think yeah. it's going to go up, too. I think people are going to take them tomorrow. I think they're going to take St. Louis. No one believes in the Pirates now. Nah, they're. Blowing that fucking dumb pitch that guy threw. Man, four hits that game only, man. The over-under was seven. There weren't even seven hits. I mean, what can you do? But, hey, you know what? I hope they win. I I can't wait till 805 tomorrow, man. If you had a radio show tomorrow, I'd be calling here. You wouldn't even understand me. You you guys don't understand me now. You would never understand me tomorrow, no matter what happens. <laughs> man. But I'll be rooting for him tomorrow, bro. All right. Well, I'll be, I'll be thinking of you there, bad guy, as I watch the uh, Pirates-Cardinals game. Hey, I was thinking of you last night, man. I took the Dodgers. I thought they were going to fucking lose that game, man. No, they, they pulled out. I mean, they, but hey, Uribe, of all people, came through. He's an old giant. Yep. Remember back in the days? Hey, he yep. came through with that. And that Crawford, man, smacking two of them balls. Old, the Boston guy. Hey, I told you the Dodgers were going to win that series, brother. I put that on the radio. Yeah, I know. Well, the, the Braves always choke. So that doesn't surprise me. Nah, hey, the Dodgers ain't no joke, man. <laughs> hey, I just want to play them, that's all. So, hey, you guys take care. And hopefully we're talking about this next week, Druff. Dodgers, Pirates, man. Yep, hopefully. All right, talk to you later. All right, guys, take care of yourselves and be safe. All right, we'll see you. So so what do you think, China? Should we call up uh, the Barcelona Arts Hotel and try to get someone here? Uh, you can give it a shot. Okay, that's, uh, might as well spend my Jew money here. That I loaded up on Skype. Hold on, I'll be right back on the line in a minute. i got to step out of the room for a second. Okay. Let's try to... I think this phone number wasn't the right one. There were two phone numbers, one answered and one didn't. Can I get to the right one here? Let's see, contact. I mean, I kind of don't feel like this, to be honest, but I feel if I don't, it's like never going to be 10 o'clock again. I mean, here we are, it's uh, 7.45 there, so they've been at work for a while. So let's call this number. And we'll put them on the phone and see if we can get some answers about what happened over there with the thefts of laptops at the Barcelona Arts Hotel. So, this should be interesting.
favorite ring. Boop. Buenos días, gracias por llamar al Hotel Barcelona, la tienda Maya, en que puedo ayudarle. Uh, hello, Ken and Nigel Fabersham here. Um, I wish to speak to someone in the security department. Uh, is Melanie there right now? In the security department? May I ask what is it about? Uh, yes, um, I stayed at the Barcelona Arts Hotel um, a few weeks back, and um, someone tampered with my laptop there, and uh, I wish to speak about it. But you already have a contact, so, with someone here? Yes, I spoke to a Melanie about it. Mel okay, hello, Mr. Tom. Sorry, but right now here it's 7.45 a.m., and she will arrive at 9 a.m. Oh, it will be possible that you call maybe later. Um, it's, um, it's not quite possible because I'm in the States right now and it'll be quite, quite late then. You um, wonder I tell her that you have call and she can contact you back. Um, you know, how about you just connect me to somebody else in security and they, they can handle us from there. Okay, just one second, please. All right. Let's see if we get anyone here. Can tell us anything useful. Yes, this is very important. Imagine if during the call, like, the laugh track goes off, which what they think here. <laughs> <laughs> You're not talking about... Thank you for waiting. Sorry, but the manager of the security department that is the only one that can talk about this, this situation is they will arrive also at half past eight. So, so why why can only the managers speak about it? Have they been restricted to speak about the about the incident? No, because the the other people in the security neither uh, also don't speak English. That's also the oh, reason. All right, all right. So it's it's kind of like that monkey that can hear no evil and see no evil. I'm really sorry. All right. So, um, so, so you're saying I need to call at half past eight? Or if you want, I can take your phone number. Or they can call you back. Um, I'm going to be rather difficult to reach here in the uh, the coming moments. So, um, I'm, I'm thinking of going to the bathroom and breaking my duck for a bit. But um, all right, you know, I think I'll go call back a bit and um, speak to either. What's the name of the security manager? It will be Martin, Mr. Martin. Mr. Mustine, all right. So I'll try to reach one of them a bit later, and uh, if I don't, then I'll get the uh, the blokes that are current affair to call in here and speak about it. So, um, tally, I'm tally sorry, I didn't hear you with the noise. Okay, sorry. So, no, so what, what I'm going to do is later I'm going to call back and... What the bloody hell is that sound? I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't hear you. That's. Uh, I mean, I hear the sound, but I don't know what. You don't know about. what that is. I've never heard anything like that before. I, I'm trying to I'm tell sorry? you. I, I've never heard anything like that before in my life. I'm trying to tell you. I'm going to call back at eight fifteen. And then I'm. I'm sorry, did, but did I, I hear all the time one sound that I don't. I cannot understand. Did, what do you know say. what that's? I, I, listen, I'm trying to tell you about this current affair that's going on here. And do you, do you have any idea how frustrating this is? I'm trying to get across my message, and I, I hear that bloody tone here. And um, but I don't. I it's not. Uh, it's not me. The one that is making it's, the it's sound. Not on I'm your really sound. sorry. Do you have a clock there? I'm sorry, but this sound is not as the one that we are making. Well, it's it. not. It's not in my. I don't have a cuckoo bird in my house. Do you have a cuckoo bird in your? I, there's no cuckoo bird here. Neither here. I'm sorry. 
this is this is ludicrous. This is supposed to be a five-star hotel, and you're telling me there's a cuckoo bird there, and there's some weird sound effect. I'm really sorry, but the sound that you're hearing is not from here. All right, um, all right, fine. I'll, I'll call back later. Uh, tally ho, okay, tally ho, so pip pip, and let's get on with the bloody thing. I'm sorry, with the noise, I cannot understand what you're saying. That's all right. I'll, I'll call back later. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> she was very patient. She certainly was. I was wondering how many current affairs it would take to get her off the phone. I know, huh? <laughs> the, cuckoo, the cuckoo bird's not there. Sounds, Sounds great. I don't have a cuckoo bird in my, in my house. <laughs> I loaded that sound up for Stephanie. <laughs> Here, before before I sound the sign off from this show, let's see. Uh, oh, Druff, I have one question for you. Yeah. Uh, what, anything ever happened with your uh, full tilt poker balance? Any updates? No, no update. I I didn't find anything out new, and I didn't really see anything newsworthy about it that's any different than last week. So I didn't bring it up. Let's let's see let's see the uh, ongoing adventures of Ken and Stephanie if they uh, finish their hamburgers. Oh, they they sent us a voicemail? You've got to be kidding me. Bye. You've got to be kidding me. Sending it to voicemail. Well, I guess some girls don't like being called fat crack whores. <laughs> Learn something new every week. So, all right. Uh, I, I guess we're done here. I guess we've had enough Stephanie for one week. So, thank you, China Maniac, for uh, joining us. All right, my uh, pleasure. Yeah, I, I I know there's something missing here. I knew there's something missing here. There we go. I can't end the show without this. It feels so unnatural to end the show without this. And the reason it feels unnatural to me is that you know, growing up in the 1970s, this was like I, I heard this on the TV so often, and this kind of meant like something's over. And you, you, you picture the leaving somewhere because you're, you're watching like a car move down the road and then, then a plane fly. Like you're seeing the view of uh, yourself moving away from the bunker's house. That's a, that's what the whole symbolism of this song was supposed to be. That uh, like the visit to the bunkers is over. Like the, the opening song. It's supposed right. to be that you're joining them and coming into their house, and then at the end you're leaving and driving away, and then eventually getting on a plane and uh, flying over to New York. But guess what? In that view over New York, the one thing you won't see is the Twin Towers, because they were not built yet when that was filmed. Ah. They were built in 1972, and the show started in 1970, so uh, they were not built yet, so... Uh, Anyone looking for that is not going to find it. But it's kind of freaky when you see other shows based in New York. Like, I just, uh, um, I watched, uh, Superman the other day from 1978. You see, uh, you see him flying around New York and there's the Twin Towers. It's like, I don't know, it's kind of freaky that there they were with all the lights on and all these people in there and then just one day they're gone. Right. And, uh, 
you think of it when you see a New York skyline from from the 80s or the 70s or something, or the 90s, and there they are. Actually, it looks weird now when you see it when there is no Twin Towers. Yeah, there's that the one Freedom Tower they're building. But, uh, anyway, people, thank you for joining us on Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show with China Maniac this week and last week. I will be back next week on October 15th. Maybe China Maniac will too. 7 o'clock Pacific time. Thank you to everybody who donated to the free roll. Those that joined us in the chat room. And as always, the people listening in the archives or anywhere else. We love all our listeners. Good night and shalom. Good night.